Hello, some new faces, I imagine. Some old faces, welcome back. If you're old, welcome in. If you're new, I imagine there's going to be some new maggots in here. If you've read the title of who the guest is, I imagine you know there's going to be a whole audience of maggots. If you don't know who the guest is, you think I'm being incredibly offensive there by calling people maggots. And maybe this podcast is not for you because I can be much more offensive than that. There's going to be new people. Let's just let's get an intro out of the way. Bish, bash, bosh, straight into the episode. Warning, these intros are designed to annoy and alienate you. I don't know why. I've just got a running in joke. Some people are in on the joke. If you sort of are a bit perplexed by it, do me a favour, just laugh and be like, oh, that was funny, I enjoyed it, and tell your friends. Okay, before we get into the guests, let's talk about... The sponsor of today's podcast, don't you go anywhere, it's Displate. Displate make metal posters. If you're watching the video version of this podcast, you can see them in the background of all of the episodes. They make posters literally made of metal, as in, they're not made of paper. We're living in the future. No need for paper posters, no need, that's quite hard to say, no need for this, like, eco-unfriendly paper waste, sticking stuff up. There's not even any need for frames and hammers and nails because displates mount to the wall with a magnet. There's no mess, there's no fuss. You stick the protective leaf on the wall, you put the magnet on, and then you mount your displate. That means you can change them out for different ones. They've got bands, they've got games, they've got a downbeat store. Look, in the background I've got Akira. That's a movie. I've got downbeat. That's a... Podcast brand thing. We got new downbeat ones. This is a sort of hentai looking thing. This is a sort of cannibal corpse looking thing. And this is sort of me surfing the internet when I was a kid searching for death metal and beheading videos. Again, if you were just listening to that, I'm really sorry. Just imagine really cool posters that you can mount on the wall at displate.com using the code downbeat. Between one and three displates, you get 22% off, and three and above, you get 33% off. Displate.com. And the code is downbeat. I always wanted to know how to play the guitar. It's not an ad for that, right? If you remember that ad, it's not an ad for that. Stay with me. It's the same ballpark. Are you a guitarist? You've managed to get this far. You've managed to get through the military-grade anti-guitarist systems at the downbeat. And I feel like it's only fair that I give you an offer for that. The lovely people at Neural DSP are giving listeners of the Downbeat podcast a whopping 30% off. That's 30 with an F, 30% off any of their plugins. So you can plug your guitar in and sound like anyone from Gojira, to Pliny, Tim Henson, Tom Morello. You want to sound like Stray? Load that one up. There's a nolly pack. If you're listening to this podcast, you know all these people. You want to get that tone straight out of the box or you can fiddle with it. I've been doing some fiddling. I don't even play the guitar. It's making me sound good. So look forward to my side project. Don't know what that's going to be. Not only do you support the podcast, but you support the wonderful people at Neuron bringing these plugins and they are wonderful people. Side note, got pretty hammered with them at NAM. 30% off any plugin at neuraldsp.com excluding new releases until 90 days after they've released the code is downbeat that's downbeat at neuraldsp.com let's get back to the show that's that done my guest this week is jay weinberg he plays the drums in a band called slipknot if you like heavy music you know who slipknot Oh. If you don't like heavy music, guess what? He's filled in for Bruce Springsteen. I, this was all news to me. 300 song set, I don't want to ruin it for you, but the man, so hospitable. The whole reason I was in Nashville is because he said he wanted to do an episode. Really nice, down to earth, and seemingly stress-free. We were going through his career and just 
talking about all the stuff he's done. And I was like having a panic attack. I could not do what he does. High stress, high energy, unbelievable drummer, unbelievable dude. We went for tacos, as Americans call it, afterwards. So I feel like I could tell people we're mates. If you fancy supporting the podcast, patreon.com forward slash the downbeat. It's one pound. It allows me to go to Nashville and do nine episodes of the podcast with guests. It allows me to pay for the flight there, pay for the hotel there, probably pay for me going out to get drinks after every single episode there. If you don't like giving me money without getting something physical back in return, you can go to www.thedownbeat.at. So it spells downbeat. You can pick up some merchandise. You can pick up you know, hoodies, t-shirts, clothes, bits and bobs. There's a US store that ships from California. There's a UK store that ships from good old Reading. Reading, Reading will kick your f***ing head in. It's Jay Weinberg from Slipknot on the Downbeat Podcast. Jay, hi. Hey. Thank hey. you so much for coming. My pleasure. Continue your question. Oh, so what happened with the Paul? Like, what happened with that? Because you mentioned it in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, never but again. I hate that shit when, when those things go sideways. It's like, and I was so stoked. Like, that episode I did, I hit the press agent up, which is, you know, the normal way to do it. And they were like, Cannibal Corpse does not do any interviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like... I can see why they don't. There's, you know, there's stuff they don't want to talk about or whatever. And I was like, let me just hit Paul up. Like, yeah. So I just, I don't know him, hit him up. And was like, can you do this episode? I do want to do an episode. I'm a drummer, blah, 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 blah. I love Cam Corpse. Then, as you can see. <laughs> and uh, he was like, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. So we come and do it. And I'm like, I'm st- like, I would say the Paul Cannibal episode, this episode, Matt Gasker yesterday and Mario Gojira mm-hmm. is like, they're like, episodes I'm bu- the bucket list episodes because and Lars which is the only one that hasn't come yet but he, he's coming it'll come, it'll um, come. <laughs> bucket list stuff because I just know like I don't, we don't know each other but I see you we've got mutual friends I yeah. see the stuff you post online and I'm like we got shit in common that'd be a great chat yes yeah. so Paul I was like so stoked on it do the whole thing and it was before if you, if you look up there there's that, that screen that it says I uh, recording and all this yep. shit. It was before I had one of those up. Yeah. And I just uh, fucking even getting anxiety thinking about it. Just, <laughs> just freestyling. Like, yeah. th- I hope this works. Uh-huh. Look back at the files and I lost half of them. Oh, that's a heart. That's just heartbreaking. So I've I, had stuff like that. Not, not the same kind of thing, but like I've had stuff like, you know, doing the drum cam stuff that I've done where I'm like really excited for a show. Like it's a big show for us or something. And I want to capture it in that way or whatever. And then all the cameras just like die oh after the first song. And I'm just like, what did I do? Are you, are you setting them up yourself? Uh, well, Justin will yeah. like press record and stuff, but, um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, like, uh, I, I have them, they live on the drum set pretty much. So yeah. it's all mounted together. Um, you know, just and and luckily, you know, we travel for mo- for the most part on most tours. We're able to just set up my drum set once. I get, I just you know play on it the first day, make sure everything's good, and then it just gets drilled into the riser, and then it just rolls in and out of the truck, so it doesn't the have to dream. get set up. Yeah, the it, dream. It, it really is. <laughs> um, so uh, so back when I started, I mean, like I, I started videotaping myself like back on our first couple tours. Um, 
mainly uh, kind of in a way it it was similar to uh, I used to be a hockey player. Uh, I used to be a goalie, and I would uh, I would set up a static camera facing myself as a, as a goalie, and then I would have like a you know a friend or a parent you know one of my parents like turn it when I go to the other side of the ice just to make sure I could I could like objectively watch myself play a game and and be like oh I, you know Should I lower my glove too much here yeah. or whatever, and then I would be able to kind of like work on that because I can view it objectively yeah. like that. Um, so that's kind of why I started recording the, the GoPro stuff back when I, I mean, I wasn't really doing anything with the footage, but, and I was, I was inspired then because shortly after that, Ben Kohler started doing this crazy chest harness yeah, GoPro yeah, yeah. stuff. And he's one of my hugest inspirations and like freak drama, total freak. And so, you know, it, it blew my mind seeing him, even though it's like really hard to process. Cause you're just seeing that weird, like it's the angle that's right. And it's here. a converged song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your, your arms look like his arms look like spaghetti, you yeah, know, yeah. doing the whole thing. But it was really cool for me to, to watch that. And at the time, like, you know, this is probably almost 10 years ago, maybe a little over 10 years ago, there wasn't as much like, you know, drummers recording themselves in that way. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, sick drummer would do stuff and, and that was always really rad to watch or like, um, Zildjian had done stuff, uh, with me and got, you know, guys before me before that. But there was at the time when I was watching Ben do it, I was like, this is so crazy. Yeah. Cause all you, you know, you normally see like BMX guys, or it's, a, or it's their, a studio drum video. Right. Not, yeah. So to get that like frenetic energy of a Converge show from that different perspective, I was like, that's so sick. So I kind of wanted to try a little bit of that myself. And then, you know, once I kind of got the hang of like, um, actually I would, I would put the, uh, the trust of where the GoPro would go in my drum tech's hands. So I wouldn't know night to night. It was like, you know, eight or nine years ago, uh, night to night, I wouldn't know where the camera yeah. was. And then he would just like, you know, he would just give me the, you know, the SD card after and be like, Oh, you know, find out where it was. Um, but then that kind of led me to thinking like, well, if I could like, if I could try to get like a GoPro hookup and try to get a bunch of cameras, yeah. then I could figure out like video editing software and I could sync them all up together. And then I could do crazy, you know, multicam edits yeah. and stuff and just like, just have artistic fun with it. And that's all it's, it's really ever been. But that's, that's a long winded way of saying like, yeah, so I'll position them all around me. And I think like right now I have six, but that's cause I have 12 cameras and I used to do all 12 at one time. It was Fuck. like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> like I, I had one, like, one per symbol. Yeah. Yeah. I had, a, I had a bird's eye. I had one behind me. I had like two on my sides, two in front, one in the center. It was like ridiculous. But now I have, two i have i have two kits and so basically i have like gopro rigs for each kit so yeah. i don't have to like travel with them um but then yeah so uh i'll basically you know i give the sd cards to justin justin will like clear them make sure all the gopros are on and then when i walk up they're already you know they're rolling and then yeah. he'll just give the sd cards to me after the show and be like well see what see what you got and then <laughs> and then one day you'll be like all right i absolutely fucking nailed it and then you'll be like, oh something went down on the main camera well, exactly yeah so it's like yeah so you know if i want to capture a you know a specific moment in the set and like is that a really cool venue or something and then like of course as always when shit goes yeah. sideways and, and now I'm, I'm literally i have paranoia <laughs> i'm just check i got a red button there and a red button there as long as they're all red mm -hmm. then i'm good um you've been posting those videos a lot more frequently now. 
Yeah, well, I, you know, I've gotten into a flow with it. It feels like you know, and I and I think, um, yeah, what started out as like a single camera, maybe I could like, you know, I was figuring out how to shoot. You know, I can get one song and then I'll figure out iMovie of how to color treat things yeah. and try to get the audio a little bit better. You know, it's it's difficult. Cause so you it's just, just the, raw, raw dog the GoPro audio? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that's like that's like the easiest way to do it. It's yeah. just to rip, you know, the basic audio just from the camera. And I, I try, what I've found with that is that the one over my left shoulder sounds the best yeah. or it sounds the least worst. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the best stage sound because it, it gives kind of a realistic capture of, of what it is. You don't get much of the kick drum. You don't really get much of the toms. You get a lot of cymbals and snare. I kind of love the way the snare sounds for a GoPro, ca- GoPro yeah. camera. Oh, I know. That, like, no, it's, pop. it's rad. No, it is rad. Um, but so, you know, that in a pinch or if I'm just like doing a quick clip that I that was from a really cool moment in a show that we just played or whatever, I can edit that super quick together. And then just throw it up. Um, but I've always wanted to just like expand, like how can I push this, you know, this element of like what I feel is like heightening the, you know, the overall experience of anybody who either was at that show or who wasn't at that show yeah. or whatever. And as we're going through the course of a tour, you can see things start to change and evolve. If I post, say, you know, like this last tour, we just started playing a new song uh, from our newest record. Uh which from this, you know, the start of the tour, the first time we play it to like, you know, 20 shows later or something at the end of the tour, it's kind of a little bit different. Yeah, I'm, I'm more sat in the, you know, the experience of playing that song. Um, so I find that interesting to be able to show, you know, anybody who's willing to check it out, that progression of yeah. that. And, and, and I think that's a cool thing to be along for the ride, along, you know, for that kind of ride. Yeah. Um, so with all that said, like there's kind of the quick edit that I can make, which is just to basically take it, color treat it and just throw it up online. Um, but I've also wanted to expand that to just be better and more, um, comprehensive of like of the sound and have it actually sound the way I want it to have it like properly mixed and and this and that that's more time intensive and and it it just it just takes a lot Justin can do that I know Justin come on no of course pick your heels up bro yeah of course (laughs) um but so I've I've gotten in this in this cool flow where it's like you know I'll like say you know we had a great show at uh at Grass Pop or something like that and we played you know, whatever song really well that night, I'll be like, okay, I want to make a specific cam of this song. Cause we really nailed it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll basically just like get all the raw tracks and just like trim it to what that song was and send it off to my friend, Will Yip, the amazing Will Yip. Unbelievable. Uh, I really, I, I hit him up before this and I was like, you don't live in Nashville, do you? And he was like, no, I don't. Sadly. Yeah, no, I love Will. I, he's, Will's like one of those guys that I just wish I lived near because I feel like if yeah. we lived near each other, we'd hang out all the time. Yeah. Um, but he, but I, I hit him up because I wanted, it was the first time I wanted to like present something. I think it was from when we played Vakken last year. Yeah. And it was like, and that was one of the most epic shows we've played in the last 10 years. Um, and so I wanted to showcase it correctly and not just the raw GoPro audio. It's like, I want to showcase this the right way. Um, And Will's just one of those guys who I know, and we've done some things before where I've kind of hit him up randomly. Like, can you get me at, uh, you know, can you get me out of a bind in a a pinch? Like for example, um, when I made my, uh, one of my signature snares, 
um, I wanted to record it properly in a studio, show people what it sounded like, you know, in that setting. And, uh, and it just so happened that I had, like, I had the time and I, I was already planning a trip to go to Philadelphia and I just hit him up randomly. Um, and I was like, Hey, can I bring my snare to your studio? And can we just do a quick, like 10 minute, like demo yeah. of this? I'll come like Justin, you know, Justin lived in, lived in Philly at the time. And uh, I was like, Justin will come film it. We'll just be like in and out, whatever. And he's like, absolutely, bring it on by. So Will has always been down for those like jump down the rabbit hole kind of yeah. guys. And I love him for that for many reasons, but he's just always been like that. Um, so when it came time to be like, okay, this is a little more in depth, but you're the guy that I trust with like, you know how I like to do this stuff. I know you will know what to do with this. Like, can you mix this? <laughs> do you just uh, get the stems from your front of house mm-hmm. guy? Yeah. 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 And, yeah the, uh, la- the latest YouTube videos that you've done, that's yes. got Will on it. Yep. 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 Nice. Uh, yeah. So, and, I, and I'm always telling him, like, let me know if I'm being too much of a nuisance, if I'm throwing too much at you, because I just love the way, you know, we do this. And it, it does showcase, you know, like, I'm able to show my playing in a way that you wouldn't really be able to see otherwise. And you know, it's like, yeah. you know, when you're able to kind of not like, not necessarily like strip away the veil cause you're not hiding anything, but like when you're able to give that perspective that nobody else gets, you know, yeah. Justin gets it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. that's really it. Uh, so to be able to provide that in a way that I feel like, you know, does give people something to tune into on Friday night. It's like, yeah. that's a, you know, that's a fun thing to, you know, to give away. I think it's cool. Like the back in the day before any of this, like who wouldn't have killed to just see oh, like, dude. like de- imagine you know, there was an option to watch like a eighties Dave Lombardo from behind. Like right. there wasn't. So yeah. it's, it's so cool. Yeah. Do you find when you, cause I love recording myself, obviously I'm a fucking, peacock man but i mean like look at it but i mean like drum wise yeah. i love recording myself like you touched on it slightly a bit but like because i can see with your with your goalie stuff yeah. i can see it, there's two two double-edged sword i can see like oh i'm speeding up there mm-hmm. and at the time i don't realize it and yeah. the next show sometimes it bums me the fuck out but the next show Going into that section, I can go, oh, well, I knew I sped that up last night. And then I don't yeah. speak. I consciously try and pull back and it's easier. I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah, that objectivity is is, yeah. is everything because it, it doesn't lie. You know, it, it just, and, and you use that as a way of like, you know, I, I think it's like, because I have to balance that with like, you know, it was the energy of the moment, you know, mm. the, we always call it the temperature of the show. You know, that's one thing that's always been really important. I, I you know, I've, I've found it to be important in any context that I play, but especially in Slipknot, um, we always talk about, it's just like, it's that instinctual, instinctive moment that we're living in where, you know, because we're not playing to a metronome, we're, we're just f- listening oh, to each I other. A question on that, that's coming. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, you know, so, so we are living in that moment. And, and to me, my favorite music and the music that I just respond to is always that, like, frenetic, feels like it's a train that's about to go off the tracks, but yeah. it doesn't. Like, that's an important element to capture and have it be, like, purposeful and driven like with intent it is intentional that it's like you know wild and crazy like that um but it but it it certainly is up to you know 
the moment and and as the guy kind of driving the pulse of things sure i mean you know when we're play, like we played a show in amsterdam um a couple weeks ago that was like it was one of the hottest most humid shows we've like ever played and we have we ha- we've had a preposterous amount of pyro on this last tour yeah. and the ceiling was like just low enough to where like oh, i was indoors yeah yeah so when the pyro goes it's like it it raises the temperature and then it doesn't come back down. So yeah, every time shit. it blasts, it's just getting like hotter and hotter and hotter. Oh, I don't even think about that. Dude, it's, yeah. So by the end of the show, it's just like, you're just cooking. And and the temperature, there's even like a temperature shift or like a difference between the the guys in front of the stage and then us on the top. Even though we're only like, whatever it is, like yeah, it rises. Feet, not even 10 feet, eight feet maybe off the ground. It's like that much hotter up where we are and it's right by our heads and stuff so it's like when all that stuff feeds into it you start to lose that uh that objectivity because you're not you know we're not playing you've got to survive predetermined yeah it's like it, it we are it is total survival mode i mean so much of of slipknot is does feel like survival mode yeah um in a good way and so that's all to say that it's like I, I think if stuff feels like it's like totally crazy and off the rails and it's wild and it's fast, you know, faster than, you know, than it is on the record or whatever, like we kind of always reference it's like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's live tempo. And it's always feeling the temperature of, you know, that's what we call it, the temperature of that night, that show, that moment, you know, and... Um, in that case, the literal temperature. Literally, the temperature, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, when you're when you're getting into those moments where like you can't breathe because of this thing on your face and you can't you know it's just like fuck i didn't even think of that yeah. you're telling me it's really hot and i'm like yeah it probably is really hot you have a full mask and boiler suit on. yeah yeah so all that stuff kind of feeds into it but to bring it back to what we were saying the objectivity of being able to reference something that it's like okay that's going off the rails in a way where you know where i'm losing control of it or whatever i'm able to kind of analyze that and ju- and yeah, just like you said, like it, it I, I draw it back to being an athlete where you can objectively look at what you're doing. Yeah. How can I improve? How can I, you know, alter what I'm doing? What are my mechan how am I doing this mechanically where I can, you know, just observe just it. Just spot and, something and go, yeah. Oh, what the fuck am I doing that? Exactly. Yeah. So uh so I find that to be a helpful tool. And I think, you know, as I as I can track even the progress of like one song, like I probably play duality much different now than I did 10 years ago, yeah. you know? And I could, I would be able to look at a video from 10 years ago yeah, that's cool. and balance Archives. it against it and be like, do I prefer what I do now? Do I prefer what I did then? And, you know, um, I think there are a lot of musical choices made like in the moment that it's like, oh, wow, that felt cool. And I'm going to kind of follow that thing or whatever, yeah. you know, moments where we intentionally like put on the brakes and all of a sudden it's a crazy slow down gear shift yeah. whatever because that, that's one of my favorite things that we do is like a lot of a lot of moments often feel like this like slingshot that it's like it's all about tension mm. to me and and i think that's one of my favorite things about you know what we're doing is that there are so many moments to create tension and like on purpose space where if this guy's ahead of the beat but i'm behind the beat it makes that note like so much fatter yeah um, I love that. And, and that's just, uh, I'm able to witness that by analyzing like what I did in the show the night before and be like, oh, that really felt cool. That really felt like I, 
you know, I sank into that kind of slingshot moment. Yeah. And, and I think you feel that impact, you know. I couldn't do it, bro. Like, I, this, I have literally, I have it written down there. I can see it from here. I have the word click, and then I have the word anxiety written mm. after it. Like, I couldn't do it. Let alone, let alone playing to that many people in general. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do it without freaking out. But without a click, like... I, if, if there will be people listening to this, I don't even know what we're talking about. A metronome or a click is right. a beep noise, basically. Mm-hmm. The, the drummer will play. Most of you know this, but come on. My mum and dad, ah, they know it. But uh, <laughs> your dad certainly knows it. Yeah, yeah. But like the, and it, and it essentially keeps you in time. It keeps the, traditionally, maybe the drummer would play to it, keep you in perfect metronomic time. Now, when you play a show live, for me at least, it is, there's a complete... Uh, correlation between the amount of bodies in the room and how fast I want to play. Mm. And I, I, I can't do it. I can't play without a click. Mm. So like, I'm just wondering, was it ever a discussion or were you just on board with no click? Cause I know they'd never played to a click. That's right. Yeah. Um, Cause I would have tried, I would have tried it. If, if it was me, I'd have got in and I'd be like, get, Anyone mind if we play to a clip? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, initially, yeah, there was never there was never any kind of conversation of like, do you want to, do you not want to, or whatever. It was just like a this is just what we do. Yeah. Uh so there no, there originally there was never a conversation. Excuse me, there has been like and it's not to say that I I'm resistant to it or never would or whatever, because I find there's there's advantages and disadvantages to like every tool that we have at our yeah. disposal. Um, cause I'm a big fan of bands that use it, uh, and, and drummers who use it in a way, uh, that enhances things without distancing yourself from your bandmates in a yeah. way where you're not like all of a sudden, because you're listening to this predetermined thing, then you tune out the guitar players or you tune out the vocalists yeah. or whatever. Like I, I've had that experience before where you start to focus on the thing Rather than the chemistry the there of trying to make an impulsive, you know, one of one moment, you know, for better or worse. That's a good way um, of putting it. Uh, so, but but with that said, it's like, and I, I also have had live experience, like uh, my whole time playing with Bruce, I did play to a click. Uh, what's really cool about that situation is that it was a click that could be very varied at any time based on what Bruce was basically musically dictating to me and to the whole band. How, how, how did it vary? Wild. So, uh, the, you know, I had to learn several hundred songs uh, for, that, for that experience. And I mean, you know, learn in the, in the sense of like, I already knew a lot of that because I had been traveling with the band since I was a kid. I'd been watching them play these songs hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah. So and everyone knows Bruce Springsteen songs. So there's a, yeah. a lot in there. Yeah. Um, the minutia was important to to dial in, but um, so there was a lot of homework that I had to do. But a lot of it was kind of like in my head yeah. anyway. Um, but so with with this whole catalog of songs every single song that in Bruce's catalog and covers uh, you know and yeah. like there's so many songs that he would pull out at any time um uh they all have like charted out like oh born to run is this bpm you know typically yeah. uh this is the ge- this is the general bpm that it should be at depending on like we're saying the temperature of the moment he might count it off a little bit faster or a little bit slower. And what I would do 
is he would count off a song. I, you know, we'd all start it. And I had two buttons, and this is this is actually I was piggybacking on my dad's system because this is my first like formidable touring experience. Yeah, um, I'm sorry to interject really yeah. quickly for people that don't know. Sure, Max Weinberg. Correct. Your father, my dad, plays for Bruce Springsteen. That's right. There we yes. go. Um, Continue. Two so, buttons. So so yeah, and and to to kind of connect to where it it got to this point, he was the drum the drummer and band leader for the Conan O'Brien TV show. He had to be in two places at once when the 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 late night program became the Tonight Show, yeah. and Bruce had a tour starting, and it was at the same time. So he had to be in two places at once. So then I got asked to cover for him, uh, and I was seventeen at the time, and so hundred songs, seventeen year old, hundred songs. Yeah, I mean, I think it was like it was like three hundred to start with for sure. Oh um, my god, it was ridiculous. But you know, but like, and that, that's my family. Like that's yeah. my blood family you know to this day like i mean we were i was just spending a couple weeks with them in europe and it's it's the same as it always has been since i was a little kid you know um but so anyway so uh i was piggybacking off of my dad's system where he would have he had two buttons uh to the left of his hi-hat that he would click with his left heel one started and stopped the click at you know at the press of a button yeah the other button signaled to my drum tech his drum tech uh, it would it would turn on a light that would signal to him match what I'm playing now because that BPM that's been predetermined that he would he would you know Born to Run's coming up so he would put up the Born to Run click in my ears yeah. or in the whatever program he was running. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Springsteen or your drum tech? My ch- tech. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so he would he would you know like we'd finish a song and be sustaining that last note, he'd pull up the next tempo on the doctor beat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, but some nights it'd be like that click is too, I'd, I'd turn it on and it's too slow. Like yeah. I, it's, it's uh, Bruce counts off every song. So then I match that energy of, of where I can see. And he's off, he's oftentimes like, like pulsing with his ank- with his heel. Yeah. And that's where I know where the, where the tempo is that's where he wants it and everybody in the band like it's a much different experience to slipknot in that with bruce it's all a flying v right to him yeah and everything starts and stops with with him uh with slipknot it's just nine guys all (laughs) pushing forward at the same time um but so if i if i tell him with that light match what i'm playing now i'm gonna match bruce and then in five seconds or whatever i'll click that on and it'll be the tempo that I'm playing to match what Bruce wants, and then we're set for the rest of the song. But for, I mean, this is blowing my mind, but like, so for a time, are you turning the click off and matching Bruce, or are you just like ignoring the click? It, I'll, I'll st- I would start the song and play the first couple bars, like once we're in the meat of the song or whatever, yeah. I would hit, I would, you know, with my, my uh with my heel my left heel i would turn on the click as we're in the song if it matched close enough to what i was playing i would stay with it if it was jarring in some way where i'm playing ahead of the beat or i'm I'm playing ahead of that click but i see it's what bruce wants i would turn it off and then hit that light and then that would signal to the tech okay match what he's playing now with the tap tempo thing but bruce doesn't have the click no, it was only me and perhaps other people who who were on ears as well. Um, is, but Bruce isn't on ears. That know, is just, so because it's never going to match up perfectly. That's such a skill. You're going to have to. You will have to 
Because even when you turn that on, even if it is the speed, mm-hmm. Bruce, Bruce doesn't have the click. So he's going to be very slightly off. So you need to listen to him musically bring him to you without, but whilst after you've brought the band to him, right? Because it's different from the click. Yeah. Panic yeah, but it, but it's but it's nice in that it is like variable in that way. So you do get a little bit of that like that one of one kind of experience where if if you're a fan, which their fans are wild, you, mm. you know they go to thirty shows in a row and stuff. Um, I do as well. Yeah. Like when I'm uh, like this, especially this year, you know they're back on tour and I'm trying to see as much of it as I can, and every night feels vital and in the moment and i think it is because they keep that that looseness about it but i think what's so fascinating about the way you know my dad approaches the instrument and especially you know when he's playing with bruce it's like they're they have such this telekinesis that's happening um in in so many ways like you know i i was very fortunate and you know obviously you know it's like I'm fa- I'm family, and that was why I was able to, you know, why yeah. Bruce and the band asked me to to fill in for my dad with that. But like, he's the only guy who can play with Bruce in that telekinetic way. Yeah, they've been they've doing been it for how long? Like since 1974. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. So they they have this shared brain that is just I've never seen anything like it. Like. Bruce will shoot him a look and he just knows exactly what that means. I mean, that might mean we're playing a different song than, than is on the set list. And he's like, I got it. And he knows what song it is. Like that literally happened like two weeks ago. I watched that happen. I'm like, how do you do that? That's insane. Did you, do you think any of it passed down to you when you were filling in? Was there any, did you get any of that? Uh, Not to get witchcraft, but I'm pretty witchcrafty. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope. I mean, I, I definitely had to, as I was learning, as I was going, cause I, you know, to, to be able to deliver on what that show necessitated, it was like, you know, and Bruce told me at the beginning of the tour, he's like, you know, our, our commitment is to this experience that he's, he's like, we know, you know it cause you've been watching it forever, yeah. but we're not, he's like, just because we're choosing you, does not mean you get a pass or you get it easy or you, or whatever. Like, uh, and I knew that and I wanted that. I wanted the full experience and I wanted to try to the best of my ability to rise to that occasion of what had been asked of me. Like that's a lot. They took a real shot in the dark cause I'd only been playing drums for three years at that point. No way. So, and there's know, nothing they, worse than disappointing your dad either. No. And but, my uncle, you know, my uncles and aunts in that band, it's like, yeah. I, I, I didn't want to do a bad job. So they knew that I, you know, I was taking it seriously and, and Bruce was giving me a list of like five songs a day to to learn on the way to a show, and then we extra. Oh yeah, yeah. On top of like, so you know, we met up prior to the tour as we were kind of experimenting with this idea of what we were going to embark on because it was yeah. it was a big ask. It was it was a lot to to undertake. Um, he gave me a list of probably about like two hundred songs and was like, "This is what we're definitely." playing through the course of this did you write, year did you write like site charts or anything or? uh for some yeah uh for the very like nuanced uh m- much of his like earlier material um i think before it became 
you know, with Born to Run, I feel like his songwriting took this stride of more the storytelling, more it became more about the story mm. of the song, less about, you know, guitar gymnastics and stuff like that. That's there was more of that on the fir- his first two records. Um but we still played material off those records that it's like there's songs that are like 13 minutes long and there's all these changes and it's very proggy and, yeah. and avant-garde in that way. So yeah, I definitely like I wrote charts and like stuck them onto my floor tom to like oh, what is this you know yeah I'd, I'd have to yeah oh yeah um and and i yeah so i did that for pretty much everything and i mean that that truthfully became how i just under i, I think that actually gave me um the tools for working with like everybody who i've i've played with ever since you know say for example if jim from slipknot had an arrangement and this is this is very true this is exactly what happened when i started playing with slipknot he, you know, he had a, a wealth of material that became our first record we did together. And it was kind of like he wanted to kick me in the deep end of like, here's all this stuff I made going to that studio, going to that, you know, live room and just do what you'll do to yeah. it. Uh, you know, you have 20 minutes to learn this song Fuck. or whatever. So, so that's what I would do. And I think I honed that muscle memory or whatever it is that you know, we kind of get into when I'm, I'm sure you might, you might be able to relate is like when, you know, your bandmates are kind of like, here's a sketch of a song. It's like verse and chorus and bridges and whatever. And you kind of figure out like, okay, this is, I don't know how to write music or read music. Oh, okay. Um, so I just write, you know, bouncy riff. I do that too or whatever, you know, I can like, read music, but I always revert to that. Yeah. The, the thing that your brain will remember the quickest exactly. is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Death metal, Blast, you know, stomp, mosh part. Slayer beat. Stomp, mosh part. Yeah, well, mine as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slayer beat, which means Slayer ride beat. bell. <laughs> See, you know it. Yeah, exactly. We could read each other's charts. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Um, so so I, I, had to, I had to do that every day for like five songs a day before the show. And then like two or three of them would make it into our set that night. Um, so that got me to learn like songwriting habits of of whoever i was playing with Mm. and that was really cool to be able to be like oh this is how he constructs songs typically or this is how you know the second verse will then morph into the chorus in this interesting way and he does that in a bunch of these songs or whatever and that's how i kind of learned like oh the habits of songwriters and and you know i i take that then you know okay i see what jim is doing here how he's kind of thinking this will you know morph or whatever and that was what I think was my initial, um, you know, when we started jamming at first, that was kind of how I was holding on by the skin of my teeth of just like, okay, this is what it's like creating new Slipknot material as we were just kind of figuring out what this record is going to be, what our dynamic is and stuff. But it was all, and all that kind of muscle memory and stuff, I think was, I was given that jump start through the, you know, the whole experience with Bruce. I, that's fucking, I can't believe how many songs that is. I think if I was young, if I was 17, I'd probably, and you did that, and someone, I mean, it's Springsteen, but like if someone was like, learn 100 songs, if I was 17, I'd be like, yeah, fuck it, I'll do this. 36, I'll go, uh, yeah. I don't know, I'd like <laughs> second guess myself. I actually, funny you said about Jim, I, I made a joke once with Jim that fell flat on its face, and I don't know if he hates me. <laughs> Like it was a, it's surprising that we haven't met because yeah. I'm friends with V from when we were kids. Yeah. And then like I came on three shows of the uh 
26 no 2020 tour in the uk i feel like one. i remember seeing you backstage and i was like oh there's that guy and then he just and, and, then, and that was and it that was, was it. whatever but i actually jammed with jim on your kit on your practice kit the ronan kit backstage oh, okay, cool, at yeah. that thing and uh i don't know if it was just me being british or it just wasn't a funny joke but we were just jamming it was me mm-hmm. him and v i was just on the kit and v was there and jim came in and picked up a guitar and we had a we had a cool jam we were making some stuff mm-hmm. and then he jim turned to me and was like I think if we did that thing with the, what you were doing with the kick drums with the guitar going like in and out of that, that would be really cool. And I went, you do know I'm not just Jay without the mask on, right? <laughs> and he just stone cold, didn't laugh, didn't do anything. And I was like, oh no. That's funny. I've fucking blown it. <laughs> but um, that was cool. That was the first time actually, I've seen it since, but that was the first time uh, that I've seen like a full jam set up backstage. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Uh, it's it, yeah, we're incredibly fortunate to be able to travel with that. Yeah. What, what do you? How how long are you on it? Um. Well, I like to be on it for a couple hours a day. <laughs> um. Lately, especially with this tour that like we just did, um, we're getting to shows like two hours before we play. Yeah. You know, just with all the tra- festival travel and all that kind of stuff, where you're you know flying in the day of a show and. That stuff always really stresses me out because I don't get into, you know, I feel like, and this, this probably goes back to me being a goalie because I'm like, so I'm, you know, I'm not very superstitious, but I have, you know, my things that I like, my checklists that I kind of like to go through throughout the day of making sure what I'm able to. Reel it off, reel it off. Sure. Well, um, you know, hydrating correctly is like that. I, I learned that. Um, pretty early on, you know, especially just with such demanding music, it's like, I have to be well hydrated or, yeah. or my arms and legs just are like cement blocks. And then, you know, I'm the, end up playing the worst, like this. the forearm it's, cramp. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I could get away with that in mad ball. I could get away with that and against me, but like not, you know, not with slipknot. So I learned pretty early on that I like, I just need to be constantly drinking water. And then, you know, if you're, if you're if you have like this last tour where you have like two or three hour drives in a van to the show, then it's like okay, then I I don't want to be the guy peeing in a bottle in the van yeah. <laughs> and stuff. So you know your your routine is just like thrown off like that. But um, I typically try to eat the same thing, same exact thing. You know, oh, at, you're at, real like, superstitious. Yeah, like almost like same thing, eat the same thing at the same time. Like all that kind of stuff. Oh, like, nice. You know. I had Matt Glasgow in here yesterday, complete opposite. Cause I'm like that. Really? I'm yeah. neurotic with it. I'm mm-hmm. like, and if I, and it's dumb because if I play really good, I'm like, well, I had a banana. That's exactly <laughs> it. it was, and it's all from like, oh, I had a great show. Well, and it, yeah. So I always have a banana, like probably about like two hours before we play. <laughs> yeah. It's all that kind of stuff, you know? Well, um, it's good that someone else has that kind yeah. of. But then you have a shitty show and you're like, well, what? I had the banana. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but but so there so there is a lot of that but uh so my you know preferred way of doing it is like you know i'll wake up have an easy kind of afternoon um you know just having coffee drinking water probably go up and check my check out my drums if there was something that was bothering me about my kid i'll you know address that or whatever have you got coffee cut off time before stage no i'll have i'll i'll have coffee like if, if i'm like really dragging ass i'll have coffee right before like Same. literally walking to the stage Same. sorry um, sorry Continue. yeah no and it's all it's like all in service of the show you know like that's the most that's the only reason we're there is, yeah. is to deliver that so if it's like especially like late in a tour and we're all just like oh man mm. like it's it's difficult to Long get that sad. energy up I'll do whatever, you know, like, yeah, you know, 
reasonably. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll be having yeah. coffee. And, <laughs> but I'll do <laughs> whatever <laughs> legally. Re- yeah, reasonably. Uh, to, you know, yeah, so I'll be having coffee and it's like, okay, and if I'm just staying up till five in the morning, you know, afterwards, it's like, well, my adrenaline doesn't come down till three or four in the morning anyway, you know? So yeah. it's like, so I've become, you know, I'm a late person, I'm a late night person just anyway. And then the rock clock kind of dictates, like, you know, just how I'm able to exist or at least, like, find what works for me. So, you know, because when I come off stage, like, I can't eat for a couple hours afterwards or it makes me sick. Like, um, you know, I get kind of weird like that. But I like, I prefer to have, you know, a half hour or an hour of, like, playing with a metronome, you know, earlier in the day and just doing kind of boring rudiment stuff, whatever. And then, um, but I haven't been able to really do that lately with our festival travel and stuff on a headlining tour where we're like in buses and stuff. That's a lot easier to do. Um, it's a lot easier to just sleep as long as you want as well. Yeah, dude. And sleep is, I mean, sleep and hydration are just, I mean, it's like, it's, cliche but it's just so true it's like if i get enough sleep and i get enough water in me then i'm i'm good i'm a terrible sleeper and and in order to combat being terrible at sleeping like quite often i'll drink and it's like this is just no hydration and poor colleagues would sleep (laughs) it's tough it's you know yeah and then that vicious cycle just starts where you're like you know and sometimes yeah you don't get any sleep and then you wake up at seven at night and you've got like an hour to get ready like shit just sucks but anyway i like to you know I like to just kind of get sticks in my hands around like three in the afternoon if we're playing at nine. Yeah. And then um, probably around like six or seven, I like to start just build, getting a sweat going because I, I hate hitting the stage not being already like hot, yeah. you know, not being in a sweat in the show already. Like if, Like by the time we play the show, I'm already an hour and a half or two hours into what feels like playing a show. That's my preferred, you know, way of getting into it is I want to hit the stage feeling like I've already played like 15 songs. That's great. <laughs> you don't get tired from that. Mario Gojira does the same thing. He's like, I play the song. That's I feel way more tired if I don't do that. Yeah. Like I, I've got a rigorous warm up routine, but it's still like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 mainly feet based, and I don't play anything near as complicated as you on my feet. Well, so what we've done lately is, um, and I find this to be great, you know, and and like you said, like having a mobile studio set up. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, the idea was it was born out of like, well, we have the space and the ability to travel with kind of a mobile studio set up, have electronic drums going into Pro Tools. And that was born out of we were in such a creative mode coming out of creating the gray chapter mm. that we just kept going. And, you know, and uh, Jim especially had like all these riffs going. Like we, there were, there are songs that are on our newest record that were born in the first tour that we did after the gray chapter. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah. So it's like song, songs that have been gestating for like eight or nine years or something. Um, so it was that was the that was like the purpose for having that room, the jam room. Uh, but then it, it just kind of morphed into our warm up room, and you know, much like Metallica does with you know mm. their well documented tuning room, it's like 
this is an amazing tool and we're able to have this. Why don't we get in there a half hour before we play, uh, especially towards the beginning, like at the beginning of a tour, if we're playing a new set list, yeah. we want to do the stuff that we're, you know, that's freshest to us that we want to feel like we, you know, like, oh, what's that riff? Or like, oh, what's this beat that I'm playing in that? I mm. forget. Um, we're able to just hash that stuff out. And we'll, you know, usually play, it's like myself, V-Man, Jim and Mick, we'll run through five songs, four or five. Like on a good night, if we have enough time, we'll do like four or five songs. And then we're just like in it and I'm Ready fucking to go. sweaty. And then we get out and that's my favorite way to start a show. The first song goes great. And then everything is just, you know, I'm stoked. The worst is when you're like under the gun, you just have to put on your shit and go out there. I feel like that just smokes me out of the gate. Yeah, like I play terribly. I, I'm in my head for yeah. the whole thing. Just And there are there are guys who do who totally do that. Like like Dave Lombardo, I, I think he'll have like sip a coffee, get his drumsticks, walk into the stage, and he's just yeah. in it. I'm like, I, I just, I marvel at that. Like, that's amazing to me, but I I can't do it. I, wa- um, I watched Inferno from Behemoth. Oh, my God. Have seven shots of vodka as his warm-up. Are you kidding? And then fucking smoked it. He's the man. It was we did crazy. A, we did a bunch of tours with, that's where that you said, yeah yeah, 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 we were playing with Behemoth. I love touring with Behemoth because he's such an interesting I've never met him I just I saw it oh, this was like I'd say this was 2007 like old mm-hmm. old Behemoth so maybe he stopped now he's uh he's the man like we've we've had a couple brief you know conversations and and he's just really really sweet amazing at what he does and um uh my friend has has done merch for them and she would say how like watching him is like like watching like an orchestral conductor the way yeah. he, his his fluidity, even you doing that, that thing, you know, it's that thing. It's like, like, that's my favorite thing about like, you know, when you, when you get to spend time with these guys and like really watch and study these things and see them play the same set over and over and over and, and how they're approaching it. I'm like, that's such a unique way that I would never think of approaching the drums, but it's so that guy. And I'm, I, you know, I'm fascinated by it. And it's, you know, Inferno is just one of them, you know, like same thing with Mario. Like I would get to watch Mario when we were on tour at Gojira and it's just like, how you freaking nature. Like it's just so sick. Just the goat. I was super stoked when he sat down just because I thought, you know, he's, he's a little bit older. He's not massively older. He's a little bit older. He's got family. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I was like, oh, how often, which I'm going to ask you in a minute and we'll go straight into that. Uh, like, I was like, I said, how often do you practice when you're at home? And is that like a lot of it, talking to you, talking to Mario, like talking to Matt. Like, I mean, most people I have on here is because I really want them on here, but it's like, I want to know these things. Yeah. And I'm like, someone like Mario, I'm like, you, you're at the top of the game constantly, but you're in a, in a, in a life position that I po- will possibly be in later on. So like, how often do you practice? Like thinking, does he slow down? He was like, yeah, probably about two hours, and I'm like, yeah, and how often do you do that? Thinking he's going to be like, uh, you know, every, you know, every weekend or whatever. And he was like, oh, every day, every day. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> when you're home from tour, every day. And he was like, yeah, every day. And I was just like, and that's why, <laughs> that's why you're a freak. Yeah, no, he's the man, and especially when you know when you're able to like when you have that discipline and. um and him especially, he's gonna he's gonna laugh if I do an impression of him. But he like we we would be on tour. And I'm like, hey Mario, like he's like walking the stage. I'm like, yeah, like so you know, stoked to watch you guys. And he's like, oh Jay, I'm I'm so tired, I'm so hangover. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just goes, and then he's like, I don't know about today. We'll see, whatever. And then he just goes, I'm like, you're 
amazing. I yeah, I love. He's Mario. a glovesman. Are you you're not a glovesman, are you? You a glovesman? Uh, from time to time, I hate playing with gloves. Um, <sighs> I only do it if I've opened up if I've opened up really painful blisters on my hands. That's the only time I'll and, do it. And you can you can just switch between the two because I tried once because I love the way they look, and I was like, post pandemic, I was like, I'm gonna come back glove guy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have shirt off bleach blonde gloves i'm like i'm doing like a little glow up mid-career glow up yeah and then <laughs> i fuck i didn't think should i do a band practice with these things i went straight went right in. straight in sweating inside the glove yeah it's a whole Weird. different world yeah yeah my the only only reason i'll use drums is just pain management like if if you know usually it'll happen on my index finger or maybe like my thumb do you do a fingerless or a full full yeah. like the zildjian gloves um shout out zildjian yeah yeah totally eric, <laughs> eric gross says hello oh awesome hey eric uh so i'll do that pretty much out of necessity just because it's less painful to do that and I, like i tape up my my fingers mainly my fingers that are just in contact with the stick um with uh with a band-aid and then this kind of like a foam rubbery kind of wrap um that just keeps the band-aid in place because like it with the band-aid I find that it it doesn't help me grip the stick, and then I'm I'm holding it tighter. Excuse me, and that and that'll lead to that just leads to like wrist issues, yeah, and whatever. So then I started putting this uh, Next Care wrap on top of that, and I find that that allows me to relax my wrist a lot more, and um, and I don't have to hold the sticks nearly as tight. Um, and I don't develop blisters that much, especially at the beginning of a tour. Um, just cause like as much as I'll practice at home, nothing will be the substitute for like that first show. That's, that's that, right. There's nothing there's, you can't replicate. It's, yeah, people, the people, there's people that are like, Oh, it's bad. like I've posted before when I've torn my hands up yeah. from a show that was too hot, not warming up enough. Yeah, yeah. Usually just, I was on vacation for a week before the tour <laughs> and then I went straight to the drums and people would be like, you should learn this technique and you won't get those blisters, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no. Go yeah. on the stage and then tell me that. Like, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't prepare. Yeah. But it, it definitely is, like you said, it's like a tactile difference. Like it definitely adjusts how I play and I have to get used to it really quickly. And the only reason I'm trying to do that is just because I'm trying to let a blister heal yeah, so yeah. that I can get these things off of me as fast as I can. Do you ever use the liquid bandage? Oh, I fucking hate that stuff. Just the pain or uh, just the pain? The, it's it's just, insane, isn't it? it it's like... Yeah, it works especially, pretty good though. Especially when I get the gnarly ones, like I like. Um, there was one time where this whole section from like that span from like in between my my thumb and my index finger, from here to like all the way to my middle finger, it just lifted up, that's, and it was like where my shit is. Deep, as well. it was like deep red, like probably a couple layers of skin. Deep. Oh, I've seen one of those. Yeah. Oh my god, that was the worst. I got um, the the one. Like, I got to the Tool album one. <laughs> Literally yeah. right in the yeah. skin. So, uh, and with that, I didn't, I didn't really know, you know, it's the beginning of tour. And I remember I did it because that happened because we started a tour in West Palm beach, Florida. I remember like, it was like traumatic cause I remember exactly where we were when I did it. And I, you know, to get moisture off my hands. Um, and so my sticks aren't just flying all night. I'll use mountain climbers chalk. I've tried this as well. And yeah. Same thing. And it's, you know, yeah, it sucks. It's like, okay, your, your sticks aren't going to go flying, but all of a sudden now it's like, you have no moisture on your hand yeah. and you have this wood and whatever. So I remember that tore up 
and I would have to put like Neosporin, multiple gauze, athletic tape around my hand, and then try to play a show like that. And it's just like, shit sucks. So, um, so then finding gloves, it's like, it's okay. And I know, I know the difference. I know how I kind of have to adjust to the tactile feel of what that does. And, and part of it is actually kind of cool, uh, where, I feel like a fast roll from my snare and up onto my rack toms. I have more of, it gives me kind of this more feeling of like stable control, Mm. but at the same time, I feel this like separation from it. You know, it's really weird. I I mean, I had to get, uh, it was an adjustment going to even having anything on my fingers. You know, like I used to not have band-aids or anything as like a prophylactic measure against blisters um, but now I pretty much never play without it just cause, just cause I hate blisters that much. Oh wait, so you just put it, you preemptively put oh, yeah. it on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I, like, takes me like 10 I mean, minutes if, before yeah, we, if it fucking works, it works. Yeah. And I have, you know, I have my whole routine of like, you know, get my coveralls on, get my mask ready. I put on my makeup, I put on all my tape things and I put on my mask and I'm ready to go. Put on your um, own makeup. Oh, I guess it's eyes, eyes and yeah. Or eyes. like are kind of panda that we yeah, do, yeah, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, so it's a whole routine of... I thought you would have had a guy. I thought no. you'd get J- Justin. Justin. Like we go into a makeup room? Like, well, I, I don't know. No. Or even just, just like Justin. Uh, <laughs> Justin doesn't have to do Justin that. Did. That's not in his job he description. Well, you just told me he wheels the drums into a fucking thing. But the minute, I, the minute you said that, like he doesn't have to pack down the drums, I was like... That's... On, on the occasion that he, that, you know, so say we play like a one-off show... And I mean, I fucking, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have Justin in my corner because he's just like the best. This is the first time he's drum teched for another person. He's the best. He's been on the, he's been on the downbeat. He's the man, yeah. you know? And, and I, I just knew, like, I hit him up as a friend because I was just like, I think you're going to be good at this and, you know, don't feel any pressure to do it. But I just, knowing you as a friend, I would love to have you in my corner with me. And I just know you know you approach the instrument in a way where it's like I don't really care that you've never teched before. I just know you're going to be great at this, and he's amazing. Yeah, um, I mean he's a drummer as well. I yeah. feel I feel bad. I mean, I feel bad. I feel like I got him fired from his band when he was on a downbeat. He was telling me about him, him being, you know, he was in his band. Not even going to say the name of the band, and you can go through the episodes and quickly find out and uh he told me he didn't have a drum tech and he was doing like brixton academy and stuff and i like laughed so hard and i kind of dogged i guess i dogged on the band a little bit or something but in our conversation Mm -hmm. some elements of the band that i found or or like him being a drummer i i i don't know if i didn't agree with whatever i just i went in on it and then shortly afterwards, he was no longer in the band. That I like, maybe it's unrelated, but I was like, "Fuck, I hope that wasn't me." Well, uh, you know, I think, I mean, having someone as capable like Justin, you know, in my corner is just like takes all the, a lot of guesswork out of out of it. I know it's going to sound great. I know it's going to feel great. Um, Meticulous, yeah. And uh, but I do feel for him when you know when we are doing those shows where it's like you got to set up that whole thing and then I play on it for an hour and a half and then you got to tear it down and then like yeah. that's fucking gnarly. So I'm super appreciative and we're lucky that you know we are able to and that that goes down the line for our entire crew. Like we have the best fucking crew in the world. Um, you know many instances where they've gone 
so far above and beyond, you know, for for the guys that they cover in the band and and it's just like you know super friendly as well because we we watched a bunch of shows again we didn't meet we played a bunch of festivals together and mm-hmm. i watched side stage slipknot every time i could yeah the whole crew just so pleasant that's like true. just really yeah really really nice the guy that's the, the guy that's head of security i can't remember just like super nice just. yeah we have the best people around us and that you know that helps it be sustainable that helps it be you know just move along well and have everybody in a good mood knowing that everybody i don't know just is um is a good person you know like and it's and it's all like relatively you know even of the last four years like you know justin came on board with us with our first tour since covid Mm. which was also that provided its own set of just like difficulties and and i i feel like we were one of the first bands of you know playing the kind of venues that we do and and whatever and of our size that i feel like we were kind of leading the charge of like you can tour intelligently and safely and you know do it by the book of what all these new guidelines are yeah. that we have to abide by and we did it without incident and it was sick we had great shows and our crew was a huge part of that yeah. you know we couldn't have done it without the pro crew that we have my second the set i mean obviously i'm very very lucky that this is my only qualms my second biggest thing that covid took away from me number one my girlfriend's spleen that's in the top spot blood clot from having covid and it like gone that's depressing not that number two we were supposed to do not fest at sea Oh, Stray man. was on Not Fest at Sea. Boom, gone. Could you imagine? Like, okay, so when oh when, my god, <laughs> yeah, go, when we go. all saw that we were in a new Not Fest at Sea, I was like, that sounds like the most insane idea. Sounds like desi- ever designing a, a. Are you talking about mid pandemic or just? Oh, did you, no, just, just like period. Like that m- sounds like the create. I mean, I was I was very excited for it, and I think a lot of us were. But it was just like knowing us and knowing just like how difficult it is with our machine and just all the people involved. I mean, you know, trying to do it on a boat. Whatever. Yeah. It's just like, okay, it's going to be everybody in an enclosed space on the same boat. And it's like, can you, I was like, I don't even know if we can do that. <laughs> like that's, that's insane. You know? Um, is that, and I think you should leave quite. Yeah. 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 Thank God. <laughs> uh, but it was, but it, it was kind of, you know, it was, I, I love that we, you know, I love that we even attempted to do it, and it's sad that it wasn't able to happen. Sad, it been, sad for me. Yeah, man. No, but it, if I was going to design an incubation chamber for COVID-19, mm-hmm. it would be a boat. Uh, yeah. Oh, for <laughs> With like sure. A, a cruise ship. For sure. Or, or none of us would have gotten it, and we would have been our own traveling, private, little rock and roll oasis. They might have kept, didn't get kept us there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we're going to stay here. And then it was not life have you seen have you seen that movie uh the triangle of sadness no it's on prime woody harrelson okay lost at sea that's all i'll tell you okay it's awesome all right if you're into like it's not an a24 but into like just slightly quirky weird weirdness Mm -hmm. which i don't want to typecast you but i'm i'm into quirky i I think i think you are yeah for a man who said he doesn't like the pain of liquid death Talk to me about how many tattoos you've got in the last month or uh, whatever. Uh, let's see. So I try to take advantage of like wherever I'm going to be, 
just based on touring or whatever. So it's like, okay, you know, we're coming to Europe for a tour. So what can, what do I have that's unfinished that I can get done? And I was like, Ugh, I have quite a lot that needs to get done. And I might, and maybe this is born out of me just being like super cheap and I don't want to have to buy my own flight over back over to Europe. So I'll just piggyback on, you know, on my, my activity with the band and be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, end up on the tour here. I'll just get my tattoos finished and then I'll go home. Um, so I had to finish my arm, uh, with Thomas Hooper, uh, unreal artist. Yeah. He's the best. Um, I, I, I'm so fortunate to have been able to connect with him, with Thomas and his family and become friends. And, and just like, he's one of my favorite artists period. And he's, and he's become, you know, a very good friend. And, um, you know, I'm just so lucky to be able to poke his brain about art and whatever, the way he looks at the world. And, and mm. you know, when you spend time with him, you almost start to see how he sees the world and you see things around him and the the spirals that are in, you know, plants around the, around you and stuff. And you're him. just like, oh my God, you're just, you, you, it, uh, and, and I, I share that with a lot of people that I, you know, I'm just drawn to what they do creatively and you spend time with them and you you start to kind of see how they like see the world. And it kind of makes these like micro adjustments in how you, how I see things, you yeah. know? Um, so uh, I had Thomas started on my right sleeve like two years ago or a year, or whatever, like a year or two ago. Um, and then we went as far as we could last like, or this January back when he visited the States and he was like, I have like four more hours to go on you, but like, you're just cooked. Like I, yeah, yeah. your arms well, like a bleeding stump right now. How long so, did you sit for? Uh, for that, that was probably, that was like this blade, everything except for the fire here really. Um, uh, I don't know. That might've been like seven or eight hours, something like that. No, I'm yeah. not, I'm not learning 200 songs. I'm not sitting for seven hours. Well, my, so. so my, my first tattoo, uh, like I started getting tattooed kind of late. I feel like I got my first tattoo when I was 24. Oh, um, cause I was, I mean, I'm just like with stuff like that, I'm incredibly indecisive and I can talk myself out of, you know, whatever idea. Um, is that because you're an artist and you, and you think, Maybe. Um, maybe I won't like this or maybe. Yeah. I kind of had like a rule of thumb with myself of like, I forget who told me this, but they were like, this is before I started getting tattooed. And they were like, if you have an idea and you really want it, wait a year. And, th and if you still want it, you're probably going to want it yep. for a longer time than that for the rest of your life. Great advice. Ta That's good tattoo advice. wise. I wish I'd had that advice. Yeah. Um, well, and I had a lot of ideas from when I was like 15 that I was like, when I'm 18, I'm, blah, 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 I'm like, getting nautical stars. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and band logos and what, like, no, it's not, you know, uh, so I'm glad I waited, but, uh, what struck me in this moment, we were, um, we were on tour in Budapest uh, which I knew had these statues that were uh, that were on the cover of my favorite Neurosis album, Given to the Rising. Mm, um, these, what a fucking album! Well, I mean, yeah, we could we could be here for like four more hours <laughs> talking about that album. Uh, but uh, so these horses with these like war tusk yeah. kind of things that were that are incredible in Hero Square in Budapest. I and didn't know so, that's where it was. Mm -hmm, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I went, and that's one of my favorite things about like touring and traveling is to be able to see stuff where it's like, I never would have gotten the opportunity to be in Budapest yep. 
randomly and I'm going to go to Hero Square and check out these statues that are on this album cover from this album that I like. Um, so I was there and I was 24, right? It was like, I think my first European tour with Slipknot and, uh, and I was like, I was like looking at this statue and I was like, I must get that tattooed on me. And I was, I was like, and it must be done by Thomas. I didn't, I didn't know Thomas at the time. Nice. And here's a funny story. So I, uh, I was like so inspired and I, I got back to the hotel and I immediately called rock of ages, a tattoo shop that I knew he, he tattooed at in, uh, in Austin. And, um, was it Steve Byrne was there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Since, uh, Steve, uh, Tony Hundall, yeah. um, Katya Ramirez and, uh, what, awesome. what a lineup. No, yeah. And Thomas and like, you know, just, it's like one of the greatest, uh, communities of tattoo artists. They converge there. But, um, so I called and I'm like, hi, I'd like to schedule an appointment with Thomas Hooper. And then uh, the guy answering the phones, he goes, all right, cool. Call back in two years. And he hung up. That's like American Psycho, <laughs> like the Dorsia scene when the guy just starts laughing. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Because I didn't know anything about, I didn't know anything about tattooing or yeah. like the world or, or whatever. I was very excited about this like idea that had just come to me. So I hit up a mutual friend who I knew knew Thomas and I was like, Hey, I would never, I would never ask this of you if I didn't really have a passion for this. And I like, could you please ask Thomas if he would tattoo me or whatever? Uh, And so then Thomas was like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So, and that's where, but so anyway, my, this goes to just, you know, length of tattoos or whatever that tattoo takes up my entire side. Um, because I told him, I was side. Like, you went straight in on side. Yeah, you um, are by far one of the most psychotic individuals I've ever met in a good way. <laughs> but you get that stuff over with, and then True. number one, I only have painful places left. Yeah, uh, so okay, so we've approached this from opposite ways. Yeah, uh, so I well, number one, I was like, I hear that ribs are terrible, but I don't know any better, so this will just be what it the baptism of fire yeah i'm like this will this i don't know i don't have a, a reference point if i had if i had gotten you know i don't know what's a least what's a less painful place to get tattooed maybe like up here yeah, been less painful super easy give me that um, again yeah yeah so it's like if i had started with that and then i went to this i would have been like oh my god just That's stop me. like i'm not doing That's that me. but but if but if i start with this then i won't know any better or whatever so he did both my sides um like kind of initially or whatever. And then I started to in one thing. No, no, no. Yeah, I was uh, say. No, I did. I did my, he did that given to the rising kind of piece. And it's like, you know, it's inspired by that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was one thing that I, that I love about Thomas is that he'll take a, a seedling of an idea and then filter it through the way he perceives the world and the way he does stuff. And he'll just do something that's completely his where I'm like, that's better than anything I yeah. ever could have imagined. Um, so, uh, so he did that and, um, you know, he was kind of, he was kind of getting a feel for who I am. And, and I, I think that's one of his massive talents is he learns like who you are and what he feels like you can have, what will suit you on your body for yeah. who, like what suits you, you know? Yeah. Um, and he doesn't do that with just me. He does that with everybody. It's like, it's a true talent of like, you know, of, of just like human relationship and, and how that translates to art that you're then putting on someone forever. Mm. Um, so he did the horse here, he did a goat and like there's ravens that go down from there. So I got both my sides done and then I, um, 
but yeah, so once I had that done, then it was kind of like, you know, I, it was, it was kind of the typical, like it takes you, you know, five years to, to think of your, your first tattoo and then five minutes to yeah, think yeah, of your yeah. second oh, tattoo. Seconds. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so that was kind of my experience and I, I have taken a little bit of my time with it, but as I've gotten to meet more artists through this, you know, community of just like learning more. And when I was getting tattooed by Thomas, I check out the other people at rock of ages and learn about where they, you know, come from and, and their tattooing history. And then I would just learn more. And, and so for instance, I met, um, Mishla who tattoos at, uh, in London. Um, uh, we met and he did a piece on the inside of my thigh and then, um, it took me a while to kind of figure out what I wanted to do with like big real estate. Cause I didn't want to just kind of have like little, I didn't want to really connect little things here and there, which is rad. And I do like patchwork kind of stuff. Um, my wife has some kind of like disparate little pieces that kind of yeah. fit or whatever. But um, for me, I was like, I was like, if I'm going to go for like doing my back, I want it to be a cohesive unified yeah. fucking bold thing um so that's and that's like michelin's strong point like he's he's such an incredible talent with this um lack of a better way of describing it kind of like woodcutty kind of way of of yeah. approaching tattooing where it looks it, it looks like the, you know he's like sculpted this piece out of like cutting wood yeah um super interesting and and the way he tattoos is is different where it's not just like all I mean, like I had my back completely lined, but like when he did my thigh, it was like a little bit of lining and then shading and then more lining and then more shading. Mm. So it's like very different to how I had normally been tattooed, but that's the way he builds his pieces, which is kind of cool. So anyway, um, I got my I got this arm finished uh, at the end. I went right from. Oh my god! Can I tell you about the the last like forty eight hours of our last tour? I, I need everything. You can it tell was, me whatever you want. This was insane. So, um, so our we played our last two shows of this tour that we just did. We played in Portugal late. I think we were on stage at like midnight, and um, and I was already kind of having like a freak out of a day because we were playing with Fever Three 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 with Thomas Pridgen, yeah, my all time favorite drummer unreal drummer of all time like nicest fucking guy first in the time world dude as well first time i saw thomas was uh was on a tour for the bedlam and goliath with the mars volta before oh, the album damn. before the album came out damn i didn't know anything about him and my dad and i went to terminal five and i know the mars volta and actually i got into the mars volta through my sister uh through the album bef two albums before that uh francis the mute mm. and i love john theodore's playing but then when I, but I never saw them play with him. And then we, my dad and I went to Terminal 5 in New York City to see them play the Bedlam and Goliath. And I, and both of us were just like, I'd never seen anybody. It was like watching like Buddy Rich for the first time. That Wax Ultra intro. I mean, it's it, like, like, uh, you know, I'd obviously had many drummers who in, inspired me up until that point. I think it was like 16, like 15 or 16 at that show. But that was when I made this like hard turn of like, I didn't know that you could do that on the drum. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know that was possible. Um, and then, and then, you know, luckily got to meet Thomas and become friends. And um, 
So we put, so anyway, this show in Portugal, we're playing with Fever, and Thomas is there, and then Meshuggah's also playing, and Thomas is there, and I'm just like, I I saw both of them before the show. I was like, can you guys just both leave so I can play this show in peace, knowing that you're not here, you're not yeah. watching me, uh, you know? I I like. I have this yin yang. Wait, you didn't actually ask him though. Did you ask him to come in a joking way? But I'm like, I'm like 20%. (laughs) I'm like 80% joking, 20% kind of wishing that you guys weren't here. Just, I mean, I I get, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's like, I get that, you know, that duality of like, I'm super pumped to be playing with, you know, shows with, with musicians I really admire and and really respect. Um, But then I'm also like, fucking like, you guys mean too much to me where I'm like, I, I don't want to be doing what I do knowing that you're also here. Yeah. You know, like there is a part of me that is seriously like that, that I'm like, I don't, I just, I just don't want to be also thinking that like, like, Oh, I botched that fill and Thomas saw it or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that kind of weird psychological psych out kind of thing that, that we tend to do when, you know, sometimes. Well, yeah, but also I think it's probably, you know, there'll be kids listening to this who Jay Weinberg is there, Thomas Bridgen or Thomas Hart. And like, I think it's cool for them to hear that you have moments like that and you're the drummer in fucking Slipknot. Well, and, <laughs> and ben, I, I think it was, uh, I think it was Ben Kohler who, who told me, cause I've, I've said similar things to Ben and he's, uh, you know, we play with like Converge and stuff and he's like, no, like don't, He's like, be psyched. Like, we get to do this together. Like, this is awesome. And I'm like, that is the way to look at it, I I suppose. It's tough to actually do that. I had exactly those experiences, but separately. We did three shows. Two of them got, uh, one of them got canceled, but we did three shows in a festival with Meshuggah on this same one that we just did there. And Thomas Pridgen as well. Luckily, the the Pridgen one for me was, I don't, I don't, I didn't know that he followed me. Like, obviously, he's Thomas Pridgen. I follow him. I love everything he does. But like, one one day out of the blue, I got a DM where he was like, and this is when I knew that he followed me. He was like, hey, bro, what's your workout routine? <laughs> and I was like, and I had one of those moments like, fuck yeah, Thomas Bridget. And then again, before this run, he hit me up and was like, uh, hey, man, what? Like, I've, I've got this new rock gig. So it must have been just pre, pre-fever. He's like, mm-hmm. what symbols do you recommend? And I was like, to have one of your idols like asking you shit is fucking like i don't know maybe you would know (laughs) guy who got endorsed by zildjian at nine years old uh you know (laughs) so sick listen i know what you're thinking craig don't interrupt the episode i've got to interrupt the episode i also know what you're thinking you're thinking i'm watching this episode craig and you look insanely healthy you look quite energised for someone who admittedly was going out every single night while in Nashville. How have you done that? It also looks like your gut health is supported with pro and prebiotics. Your immune system has been built with vitamin C and spirulina. It's almost like you've been drinking AG1 by Athletic Greens every single GD day of your MF in L. Life. L for life. Well, thanks for saying that because I have been having that. AG1 by Athletic Greens is a foundational nutritional drink containing 75 concentrated superfoods, antioxidants, and adaptogen extracts. Every time I say that, I struggle to say antioxidants. There we go. That was a really good one. Good alliteration. I take AG1 every single day. 250 milliliters of water. One scoop of AG1. 
helps me fill the gaps in my diet, helps me stay energized, supports my immune system. Don't have a coffee some mornings. I just have a lovely two fitty meal of this stuff. I love it. I do genuinely, genuinely love it. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs, essential when you're touring with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash the downbeat. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash the downbeat. Check it out. I, we, uh, you know, his, his, re, well, recent, it was like four years ago, uh, his Zildjian live performance that he did. It's, it's one of the best videos on the fucking internet. We were recording an album in the other room at really? the same time. That's cool. And uh, I was going to go over and watch, uh, but I got the, like like from our producer i got the like you know you're recording this record oh. <laughs> like you can't be distracted and i was like no you're you know you're right and i am there to you know to do our thing i'm not there to get distracted or whatever but when you're in these like creative hives it's like it's, it's like fucking you know here's aaron spears and thomas and yeah. you know sput is is arranging the whole thing or whatever it's like i'm like okay whatever but so i didn't get to watch it in real time but then i saw it afterwards i'm like thank fucking god i didn't go into the other room and watch thomas just annihilate everything and then me go back into the into the other studio and be like oh my god like i just no you might have got inspired and i i grapple with that i think like you know i i think just just as like any any artist or any musician i think kind of tends to you know maybe not um what's the word i'm looking for I don't know, like you view someone who's like, that's like my hero, you know, like Thomas is, is like, he's the man. And, uh, and so then when I'm like working on stuff that I've brought to creation and, and tried to, you know, push as, as far as I can, you know, you can't help but just be like, like benchmarking it against what Thomas just like did in that thing. And it was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just, I think that's just a creative struggle of, of just like you know whatever just and then and then you kind of have to shut all that stuff out and just be like no i just got to be me i gotta do my shit yeah and and i you know i've had many instances where that's been my life it's just like you know fine that was one of the the things that i was very fortunate coming into slipknot was knowing that these guys have my back in in like we want you to be you and that's why we asked you to join our band it's just like you do you and so so i've i've very much appreciated that but um Fuck, where was I going with, uh, we were at East West and doing that and Thomas. Oh, no, no, no. So, you know, so we play this show in Portugal. (laughs) Back to the Portugal story. Uh, So we play this show super, super late. We get done at like two in the morning. We have to fly to Spain the next day, uh, next morning, get to the airport, fly. We have like a three-hour drive. It's that festival. Have you played at the Resurrection Fest? Amazing festival, but it's a challenge to get to because it's like a so, three hour it's like a three yeah. hour drive from the nearest yeah. airport. Excuse me. So we we like you know we land. Obviously, I can't get into my you know my warm up thing. We go basically three hour drive to Resurrection Fest, play at like midnight, I think, and I had you know an hour or two to kind of just like catch my thoughts and just like do it, um, and then play. Got done it. 
you know, one thirty or two in the morning, then like a three hour drive back to the airport. Yeah, and then that. you never sleep on that one. And then the early flight the next day, I basically went right to Thomas Hooper. No, from there. the worst. Yeah. So I went right to Thomas from there. Uh, he has a studio uh, kind of outside Brighton. Um, and he even hit me up. He was like, uh, cause I got it. I got there like late at night and he was like, Hey, if you want, like we could just do it tonight. And I'm, or like I, you know, I lay over whatever. And I'm like, dude, I can't do, I can't do a tattoo tonight. Like I'm so smoked from the last like 48 hours yeah. of this whole, you know, the last, and it was like the end of the tour, you know, a long festival tour of just, you know, you don't get sleep. You basically don't sleep for a month, mm. you know, um, or you don't sleep correctly <laughs> as no. much as you'd want to. Um, so anyway, so then, yeah, he did like four hours on this and got this over the finish line, which I'm psyched on. And then I had a day to rest uh, and go back up to London. And then I met up with Mishla uh, at Redpoint to just bite the bullet and just get my back done. Uh, he had, he uh, did the lining of it uh, last year after another summer Europe, after my summer European tour, uh, I went right to London, got that, got my back lined out. And then we were going to try to push on with like some of the shading, but he was like, I'm going to need like four days with you to, to do this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I definitely don't, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I was like, and he was like, well, we could, you know, he, he thought that the lining was going to take two days and actually just took one. It only took like six hours. So only lining. I have my back lined and it isn't even finished and it's not even, I have my back, like I've got a back piece in progress and it's like, butt and back Mm -hmm. and it's all bloodlined currently and he so jim gray shout out jim gray amazing japanese eyes um japanese tattoo eyes he's not japanese um he like the way he does it is he'll essentially sketch it on your back with really light lines Uh which still fucking hurt yeah then does all the color then at the end lines it and I am wow. dreading it. Yeah. Like back, back. I and mean, you know by now you've got you've got a bunch of tattoos. Back for me, worst. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty gnarly. So yeah, this one goes onto my butt as well. Um oh, so dude, that's hot laser beam. Terrible, terrible. Well, especially and then when it like presses up onto your like butt bone, it's just awful. Um I found the lower back was way worse than the upper back. Yeah, uh yeah, yeah up, like across shoulder blades, there's like an area where it's like, oh, this isn't actually that bad. Yeah. Well, right now, so right now I'm pr- like, I got, uh, I'm like three days having just had my back finished. Oh, almost finished. I have like a couple things left to do, but, um, the gorilla. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like like a, before I found Jim, fa- Jim, Jim is my girlfriend's brother. Okay. And before that I wanted to go, do you know the guy Moore's Moore's tattoo? He did, he did this on my neck. It's a very specific okay. traditional style. Cool. Amazing tattoo was. Yeah. I wanted a gorilla by him. The gorilla back piece is fucking hard. Yeah. And uh, I, I wanted it, but then, I, you know, I met Jim, amazing Japanese stuff, mm-hmm. lives in Glasgow. I was like, yeah, fucking let's just do it. Yeah. So uh, so back when I got it lined, he was like, hey, I, you know, we, we booked two days. I booked two days with him. And he's like, hey, you know, I think I, we were probably about like halfway through the lining, like probably like three hours in. And he was like, I could probably finish this today. 
and then we could do some shading tomorrow. And I was like, I kind of don't want to just like walk the earth with like, I didn't know when I was going to come back. I was like, I don't want to walk around with just like a partially shaded thing. So I was like, I'd rather commit to just, let's just do the lining now. And then at some point down the line, I'll come back on a European tour and then we'll just do the shading. So after Thomas finished my arm, I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna be able to do it in two days because I thought he was like overselling it. Like I'm gonna need four days. I was like, you could probably do it in two. Yeah. And then we did two days after I got Thomas to finish my arm, and he was like, he was like, I'm definitely, I definitely need more time than this uh, because he, like, he just packs in the black so much, mm. and and you know, I respect him for that, but I also hate him for that because he's just on the one, one section, bit. like 10 minutes on like every square inch. And then when they come back, oh, oh, there's just a, oh, this is just a little bit more. Yeah, so, uh, so we got the bottom half of the shading pretty much done, and he was like, I'm gonna do what I think is gonna be the worst for you, which is your butt and your lower back. That'll be the worst for you, and then it'll be a little bit better for your upper back. I was like, okay. So we did two days, uh, eight hours each day. Um, back to back. Back to back. This and is what, last week? No, this is about a month ago. Oh, okay. This is right after our, our European tour. Yeah. Um, so the way I was able to kind of like dance around this and kind of make it like, okay, this will make sense. Um, we finished our European tour. I got my arm done. I got half the back shaded. Then we had two shows a week later in the States where, uh, and it just kind of happened where um, I, I would get my tattoos finished in the UK and my dad with the E Street Band, they were playing at Hyde Park. And so I was like, okay, I'll make a whole trip out of this. Like I'll, I'll get tattooed, I'll see them play a couple shows. Um, my wife came out and met us uh, there. We traveled with the band to Copenhagen, saw them play in Copenhagen. Uh, my wife went with my mom to hang out in Europe while I went back to the U.S. and played these couple shows. Did that, and luckily that was like a week after I had done my back, so it was pretty much like, you know, you can play a show or two. Do you take um, time off after you get a tattoo? Uh, I mean, it depends. Like, I don't like to get tattooed on tour, like during like an active tour. Like, I don't like to get tattooed and play that night or the next day. I have yeah. before, but I don't, I don't prefer it. Um, just cause I don't know what it's going to physically do to me. Like I actually, I got my ankle tattooed, uh, while I was on tour in Europe, like the day, you know, on a day off yeah. and it, I, I could play and it. I don't feel like it inhibited my playing, but I, I don't prefer it. Um, but so then I came back, you know, did the U S shows, went back to, uh, went to Italy, had a family vacation, you know, hung out with my wife in Italy and then went back to the UK, finished up the the back piece and jet lag with days of tattooing. Yeah. Hell. Yeah. So then it was like two seven hour days back to back, um, to almost finish this. He has a couple dot gradient things to do and a couple of the exterior lines that he just wants to bulk up. And he was like, I could do that. He's like, I have like three more hours left, but he had been working on like the last place he finished up where I'm like feeling pretty exhausted after seven hours was like my right shoulder and he's like, I'm gonna have to go to your like lower left back. Mm. He's like, you're 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 gonna hate it, like because I get you get used to that, like the motion of it, like okay, my right shoulder is killing me, yeah. Now, but I can focus on that and kind of 
I can deal with that. But then all of a sudden, if you're going to jump to a place on my body, that's like totally different. I'm like, Oh, yeah. fuck that. Um, Thomas did that to me once where he, I did, uh, I did my shin. He did this like joy division piece on my shin and then blacked out my kneecap. Um, cause I had a piece there that I wanted to kind of just black out. And then he was like, and neither of those were like all that bad, but then he was like, I'm going to, absolutely murder you for about 20 minutes because I need to finish this part on your ribs. He's like, I know both of those weren't bad. This is going to be worse than both of those, but it's only 20 minutes and then I'm done. And then he just did this like cir- this like circle on my ribs that was just absolute torture. It's like all I've got left. But yeah, rib- but it's, but it's, yeah, but terrified. It, but when you like switch like body parts like that, I'm just like, I so would have rather not done that. But so, so anyway, I have like three hours left on that, but um, I'd just it. rather get it done. No, you don't have to tell me. Any numbing cream? Any uh back teen while back. like while he's going. Our savior back teen is yeah, the fucking one. For I, sure. I hate it when if I get tattooed by someone new sometimes. I guess it doesn't happen that much now, but like the resistance to using back teen, like earn your stripes shit. No. We're gonna get okay. a, I'm gonna sit better yeah. if I'm not in so much pain. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know quite a lot, you probably don't know. Bactine is like a it's like an antibacterial spray that has a, a mild anesthetic quality to it. It's yeah. not like it's not getting rid of everything, but it's just yeah. like Helps your stam- it. it helps your stamina. It helps you be able to, because like my whole thing was like, I don't know when I'm going to come back to the, you know, hopefully it's soon that we come back to the UK or Europe, but it's like, I don't know when I'm going to be back. So I'd rather endure, you know, 30 hours throughout this month yeah. and just get it done rather than like have to come back and forth. I'm like, I just rather get it done. So, you know, and you get into that, that flow where it's like, okay, it's like, 10 minutes of hit because it only works if your skin is open it only yeah, works on have, tattooed to, skin yeah, you have to get it done so first. you have to endure somewhat and then as he's like so a lot of this piece is like you know it's a lot of dark shading and then a lot like he has he he hadn't done it in a long time in his tattooing but this like heavy dot work where it's like it, you know it's shading with just very thick dots gnarly yeah uh, i was gonna say what does that feel like because i haven't i've got anything just little like individual stabs forever just like for a long time but so you know what he would do and and i'm grateful for it is that he would you know do a lot of the lining which or the the shading rather which sucks but then he's able you know you do that for 10 20 minutes and then he'll be like okay the skin's open enough here i can hit it with bactine and now when I'm doing the dots around that, it's like, yeah, it sucks, but it sucks a little bit less. Yeah. And you're able to kind of catch your breath again, reset. And then as he moves on to a different part, then you have the stamina to endure that or whatever. But, you know, I mean, it all sucks. You, you just, just got to do it. You just be enduring. You got super hard, hot sets. You got pyro, 48-hour flights. Yeah, if there's, if, there's one, if there's one thing that being a Slipknot has gotten me accustomed to is learn to be okay with just being uncomfortable like all the time i mean that, that's also <laughs> just being in a band i agree we should probably talk about drums okay yeah sure sure <laughs> we both play the drums i sometimes i get i get told off for not talking about drums enough i get it all like, feeds into it though doesn't it like yeah. your your creative life and the things that you love to do find ways to that's how i feel like you know tattooing inspires me as much as uh you know 
like painting does for me yeah. or, or, or whatever, watching another band, it all funnels into drumming or and making music in some way. Luckily, as I'm a professional, I've got a seamless way to get this into this. Let's talk about your snare drum. Sure, yeah. Like, off the top of your head, do you know the specs and stuff? Just mm-hmm. explain the drum to me. Sure, yeah. So it's, you know, your standard six and a half by 14 inch uh, shell. That's about the only standard thing about it. Uh, it's a 48 ply maple shell uh, so made by sick. SJC Custom Drums my favorite thing in the world is absolutely my baby um and it, it was born out of just like i had been not struggling but um just experimenting to find uh really getting my own sonic footing within the band you mm. know and um we had made the gray chapter and i was proud of it uh on that album i had used a, like a bunch of um it was actually really cool uh, we can gear dork out here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the kicks and toms were the kicks and toms from the black album. Oh my God. Yeah. Amazing. So, so, and, and you don't like, I underestimated how I would be so taken by like, like, like when I, when, when I was introduced, cause I was jumping onto a moving freight train, you yeah. know, when I joined the band. So all this stuff was happening incredibly quickly and I had never, you know, rented equipment to make a record before, you know, yeah. or whatever. So, uh, so that was all new to me. And I'm, I'm, you know, we're making this record in LA and, and there's this guy, the drum doctor. And I hear he has a cool oh, arsenal of drums. And, and so he brings these drums. Ross is awesome. He brings by these drums and he's like, yeah, these are the drums used on the Black Album. I was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? And so he sets up, he puts the kicks just in the room on the floor and I hit the kick and I'm immediately like, that's sad but true. That's yeah. that's Enter Sandman. Like it, that's the drum, and I couldn't believe how like, like obviously you know Bob Rock and and Lars playing you know made that sound what it is. But it was incredible to me that it sounded that much. Me hitting it like little old me just yeah. hitting that drum. I was like motherfucker. That's the Black Album kick drum. So I would have uh, nutted. That is like my insane. ideal kick drum and kit. So uh, the kicks and toms for that record were from Metallica's The Black Album. And then uh, one of the snares that I used for most of the record was the Nevermind. Uh, the Bell Brass. Bell Brass snare. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Bro. So a lot. So if you listen to that record, most of what you hear, and that was kind of, I thought it was really cool. I was like, wow. So my drum sound with my fir- on my first Slipknot record is a cross between the Black Album and Nevermind. That was very cool to me. That's, I've been um, searching for that sound. I, I have a, a Bell Brass, Town of Bell Brass, mm-hmm. and I retrofitted a lot of stuff of it to mm-hmm. be as much of a replica of that snare drum yeah. that you use, the Drum Doctor's yeah. Terminator. Mm-hmm. So I got the hoops. I changed, yeah. I changed the lugs out for like yeah. similar stainless steel ones. Yeah. It's not never mind, but I'm getting close. I've always I've always been on the search for one, and actually recently I found two, and and my wife very generously was like, "You can get them." I was like, yes, Wait, <laughs> uh, so you got. I have two. Not like not that. I don't know what year that bell brass is, but I got one from the late '80s and one from the early '90s. They're both very different snares, um, but Four, they have fourteen by six and a half. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm, uh, with, with the hoops. Yeah, one has the bell brass hoops. Uh, the one from the uh, the one from the late '80s, I think, is like '86. 
um, has the bell brass hoops. And I think the one from 92 is the one that has uh, the, I'll send you pictures, but it's like the continuous lug. The other one has like, they kind of look like sonar lugs. It's like the two, they're like two circular yeah, kind of tube. They're the ones things. that I got a guy called VK to mm-hmm. make. Those. Oh, I love those drums. I've got him amazing. Make, he, but he's basically the guy that turned my town cool. bell brass into the, the Terminator copy. So, you know, I love collecting stuff like that. Like I don't have, I don't really have that much of a collection. Most of my collection is my SJC stuff that yeah. I love, but, uh, but I do like to get some things that are like replicant of what I've recorded and, and that record, the recording experience of the great chapter was just like incredibly special to me. Obviously, you know, it's my first record with the band You're young as well. 20, uh, I joined the band when I was 23. Uh, so I was like 24. Uh, no, no, uh, Whatever it was, we finished that record in May or June of 2014, and then I turned 24 in September. Yeah, so oh, you you grew up in Slipknot. I did all of my growing up like real like I'm a man now growing up in like the last like you know my 20s. Well, mm-hmm. it wasn't the typical growing up. You, mm-hmm. you you learn stuff then, but then you're, you're learning how to be a real human. Yeah. whilst being in the biggest metal band on the planet. Well, I, I definitely found that that experience of, you know, the fight or flight being kicked into the deep end of, of rock and roll was like, to, to draw a parallel back to, you know, my experience with Bruce was that um, the bigness... Sorry. That's all right. The bigness of that situation was kind of... It, it all kind of goes away when you're able to strip down the situation and compartmentalize and break it down to be like, this is just music. It doesn't matter how big the crowd is in front of us. Um, you know, all those like variable factors. It's like, and that was what I learned with Bruce is that he treated it. So like, it's just music. Like, and that meant so much to me to get that lesson. Yeah. Like it, you know, my, my first formative touring experience besides like, you know, being in a high school band and yeah. booking little tours myself or whatever, um, was with them and to have it be with like people I've known since I was a kid, um, who, who didn't want me to fail, yeah. you know, they wanted this to be a good experience for me. Um, I was really lucky with that. And, uh, and the fact that it was so huge, you know, I was, I was 18 and we were playing for, you know, 60, 70,000 people a night or whatever. The fact that they were able to help me put all that aside mm. and just focus on what's happening on the stage, which is enough to be concerned about. Yeah, yeah. Um, that helped me, I think, for everything else that, that followed, you know, most notably Slipknot, um, it helped me just kind of like put the pressure of a situation, the pressure of expectation you know, a long history of a band with, you know, a rabid, passionate fan base of which I was a part of. Mm. Um, There's you that know, wonderful photo. Yeah. The, the photo heard <laughs> around the world. Simon will put it up here. Yeah. Which, which I didn't know that was actually, I didn't know someone caught that. That literally, it was Halloween night. The only reason I was dressed up as Corey was because it was Halloween night and they just happened to be playing near me on Halloween night and I went trick-or-treating as Corey. Unbelievable. Um, and I was and I was at a show and you know, because they had played, you know, they played Conan and they were like, 
they, my dad was like, you guys are fucking crazy. Like my kid's going to love you guys, you know? Yeah. And they were like, eh, like, come on out to a show, like whenever you guys want, whatever. And so to his credit, he took, you know, took them up on it. And, and so I was there, I was, I was immediately enthralled with, you know, it was, it was uh, that was right after Iowa had come out and I'd seen, I, you know, we went to a show before that, that summer before, and um, I was completely taken by it. And uh, just thankfully someone was there with a video camera and it actually came out. I didn't know that it was going to come out on a re-release of the Iowa album, yeah. like a DVD. And it was just there. I picked it up and I just like, I was watching the DVD. I was like, oh my God, somebody got that on camera. Is that, I didn't know. Is, is that post you joining Slipknot that you no, 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 that? no, 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 this was, you were just like, oh, that's me. Yeah, cool. it was, it came out, there was like a 10th anniversary reissue. So that would have been in 2011. I remember I was on, I was on tour. It was so funny. I was on tour with Against Me. We were in Australia at the time and that came out. And I went to a you know store and got it, and uh, and I'm watching this DVD with Andrew, our bass player, and uh, and I'm like, dude, that's that's me. I'm that's like ten year old me. And he he, I remember like we had a laugh about it, but I had no idea that it was in this DVD, and that was you know two three years before I joined the band. Um, crazy, kind of crazy, but you know. Many things in Slipknot are like that. Uh, that's that's like, not the only, that's that's one of thousands of moments where like me, a lot of crazy energy synchronicity, a lot of synchronicity with this band, um, and that's just one of them. But it, it's it's all over the place. Like that's some of the this kind of energy that that's really like once you're in the middle of it, you start to realize like how connected all these things are and you kind of just have to accept that it's like, Oh, all this stuff is like, you know, all that like time is a flat circle kind of mm. stuff. Like it's, we're very much aware of that within the band. Have you, know? you got any like thoughts on that? Like I'm, I'm pretty into magic. Sure. And yep. like manifesting and mm -hmm. all this we're getting away from talking about the snare drum. I know, <laughs> but I don't want, <laughs> Fine. But like, tell, tell me about the magic. Well, just like, <laughs> Fuck anything, anything good that's happened to me, uh -huh. I have, I believe I've willed it into existence. Right. Yeah. And synchronicity is a huge thing in that. And I'm mm -hmm. noticing more the, the older I get, the more weird coincidences and stuff. Like yeah. I used to be, I don't want to put you on the spot here or anything, especially in America, especially in Nashville where people, I wasn't allowed to say God damn at a uh, karaoke night last night. Is that right? In fact, Jeremy wasn't allowed to say, Jeremy wanted to do break stuff and, uh, they said, I'm sorry, you can't drop any GDs. And I, in my, I was like, of course. GD? God damn. Anyway, so like the more, the older I get and the more this synchronicity stuff happens, I used to be like staunchly atheist, like the most atheist person ever. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know about like man in the sky or the, the Bible or shit like that, but like, I think there's something else. This energy is. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm kind of along a, a similar line of just like, you know, I don't know what I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I like to think that um, if you're open to seeing signs in things, um, you can hopefully take some positivity away from it. That's kind of how I like to, mm. you know, see things like, um, my wife and I just the other day had like a string of things, like all in one day of like kind of crazy stuff happening and, and there, you know, changes happening, whatever. 
But there was this crazy example I'll give you. Um, you know, we just watched a couple shows of, of the, Bruce and the E Street Band where they're covering a song uh, by a group called the Commodores uh, called Night Shift. Um, and Bruce made it for a, for a recent record, like a soul record of his. Anyway, they're covering it. Chloe and I had never heard this song in our life before we started seeing the band play it. And we've seen them play it a number of times on this tour. It's a rad, it's like a soul tune. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of like dealing with some, some stuff in flux. And then all of a sudden we heard on the radio this song, Night Shift, in, in the restaurant. And, we were, and I was just like, I hear this song. I'm like, wait, that's Night Shift. We'd just been seeing them on tour playing this cover song. I'd never heard it before in my life. And all of a sudden we're kind of like dealing with some life stuff. And then like, I hear this song and we were both just like, we're both very open to, yeah. to that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's a sign. That's like something I, I, I do. I, I don't know if it's a faith thing or like a, or, or a belief that's like, if you're open to seeing those things happening and you're paying attention that's some kind of cosmic weirdness. Like, I don't know where it comes from, but I think if you're open to it and you're open to the magic of it, you know, I like to think that there's something in there. I mean, it's, it's more exciting than maybe believing like, ah, it doesn't mean anything. It's like, maybe, maybe it's something. I don't know. I'll tell you, you, I'll tell you my one. I don't want to get on real fucking downer, but I'll tell you my one. And it's like the minute that happened, I was like, okay, this isn't so Tom Sell from Architects, who passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at his brother's, uh, like, you would call it a bachelor party. Mm-hmm. We call it stag do. Stag do. Stag do. You know, <laughs> the man is well I have, enough Brit- I have enough British <laughs> friends. Yeah. So um, we're like, we're going out for drinks and we're like on the top of this, uh, like, cliff where we are. And there's no, there's a beach underneath and there's no one on the beach. And, uh, well, there's one kid on the beach actually just walking along the beach. And, we're like sharing a joint up on this hill thing, just chilling. And no one was saying anything. But at the time I was thinking like, Tom should be here. Like yeah. that was, and I imagine everyone was, because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a party atmosphere at that point. It right. was very chill. The kid that's walking on the beach, and there's a photo to prove that we weren't like massively high or whatever. Only kid on the beach writes the name Tom in huge letters across the entire beach. Wow. And no one said anything. Yeah. And like, just as we were leaving to go, everyone just went, that was weird. And someone took a photo and it's like, and now I'm just like, I don't know anything anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something in that, um, you know, and, and it's like, it's not up to me to figure out what it is uh, of, of that synchronicity. But I like at least... It gives me some because I've had I've had moments like that in my life too where I'm I'm like it gives me some semblance of of comfort whether yeah. whether that whether that's you know real or I'm just making it up I don't know but I think if you're able to sense these things and have it affect you in a way where it it can comfort you or it can give you some kind of you know maybe that was Tom yeah. checking in in some way maybe you know I just or like the, whatever maybe I don't know everything yeah. Yeah, and and, that, and that's perfectly fine, you know. But I, I like being open to that kind of stuff. So anyway, my snare drum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. No, it's part, no, no. It's, no, it's partly it's, me. It's partly just the dude, nature of talking. We don't. We didn't fucking know each other, so we're like getting to know reason, each other, you know, publicly. Dude, the, yeah. So you know, and, and I, I love that because like 
the you know we can we can gear talk as drummers and as musicians and stuff but the reason we do what we do is because we have reached out to those parts of our yeah. brains that are we're trying to connect to something we're trying to search for answers to things that we don't know and the way we best know is to create something out of nothing and give it all our energy give it all we got and that somehow makes us connected to each other to ourselves to our bandmates to people that we might never meet but there is something there mm. you know so it's all part of it and that's you've all got, you've got all music a, you've got to be a very very specific type of person to be a drummer yeah because for the longest time, you do the most work, you have the most gear, you have the most athletic job on stage. Like You have to be a very certain type of person to be okay with doing that uh-huh. long enough to make a career out of it. And I found comfort in that, like the responsibility of what our position in the group is. You know, I feel like, like as a goalie, Always the weirdest drummer, guy on the team. Drummer. drummer, always the weirdest guy in the band. Drummers you know, and goalies. Like, it's there's the a very similar last line of defense. You know, if like if you have a bad goalie, your team's gonna suck. If you have a bad drummer, your band's probably gonna suck. Yeah. You know, it's just like that's just how I kind of view it. Um, snare, getting it back drum. to the snare. Okay, so uh, so I was you know I was finding my sound and okay, black album. Never mind these drums. Okay, so I had experimented with you know with these amazing drums and mostly metal snares in the studio for that album. And then we get on tour and I'm trying to figure out what works well. I tried a steel, not a steel, uh, maybe a titanium drum. I feel, uh, an acrylic drum. And I was kind of getting my bearings about what was working and what wasn't working. And I wasn't quite getting the response and like a quickness out of, out of those, the pop, that real pop, you know, cause everything with us is like, it just has to have that, quickness in and out pop 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 kind of kind of thing um not much resonance or or whatever um yeah. and i wasn't quite getting that with like acrylic or metal snares so mike from sjc um who was helping me kind of troubleshoot these problems he was like what if we bring it back to like early 2000s drive through records fucking you know like early adrian young travis barker type snare you know very influenced by orange county kind of that what we grew up being you know i i grew up being fascinated by you know uh by watching a guy like travis play and and how that was that was a very new thing um you know john otto even in in some in some cases uh first first record obviously maybe not on the record but joey played uh orange county Okay, yeah, 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 I didn't know that. Yeah, it was like super, super early. There's like a couple of videos. He had like a purple, mm-hmm. purple and black thing. But I'm sure he had one of the one of the holes. So the Did you thick, put holes? Yeah. Uh huh. So so that was Mike's kind of intent. He's like, let's bring him back to this like early 2000s approach. Fucking really thick shell. He's like, we haven't made any of these, but like, I think this could be really cool. They done some like you know heavy ply like. 15 or 20 ply, yeah. whatever. He's like, I'm going to make you one that's just so incredibly dense that it allows you, when you really crank it, it is that just gunshot of a, you know, of a snare. So he made this 48 ply maple snare with two two inch vents. Um, 
love love event it thick mm-hmm. wood snare oh you know like don't even need to mic it it's so yeah. loud it's offensively loud and you know for for me it's like i have so many layers to cut through you know two very heavy distorted guitars gnarly bass vocals dj samples so other per, you know stuff. the other percussive elements fire <laughs> yeah all this all this stuff so uh he brought that, it probably took a while. I think he made that in like early 2015, maybe mid 2015. And he brought it to a, to a show. And I was like, this is, that's everything I've been looking for. And I've been using not like that specific snare, but that type of snare ever since. So uh, we developed that into becoming like, when it felt like it was the appropriate time to be like, let's create a signature snare drum for you because this is clearly your thing like you're not deviating from this much at all um let's make this your signature snare and i always that was that always would have been a really cool thing to do and i'm honored that sjc felt it appropriate to to do that that they asked me like do you want to make a signature snare and i was like yes but I don't want to make it a lesser version of than what I actually play. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a tricky kind of like, how do we do that? Because I don't, it has to be 48 plies. It has, and I wanted to add my own things to it. Do I wanted to make all the artwork on it, which is fucking awesome, by the way. Thank you. So that was important to me that like, I wanted to have my hand in every detail about it, you know, as, as much as I could, you know, change the, the lugs or the throw off or the whatever. Like I wanted my, I wanted to be involved with it. So that's what we did. And, um, and that, I think we came out with that, uh, through the pandemic. I want to say, um, you know, we, we had a lot of time on our hands to come up with like, to come up with projects and just like, what do we do? What do I do with my time? I want to make a shit ton of artwork, which I did. And, um, and use that with SJC to just heighten this experience and like be able to deliver to, Anybody who wants that snare, because I would have a lot of people say, like, your snare sounds awesome. I, yeah. I want it. I'm like, okay, here it is. This is, you know, it's an American made, made in their USA shop. It's a, you know, it was very important to me. Um, because I think, you know, when I joined the band, um, I had to tell Mike something of uh, I couldn't tell him what I was up to because I was sworn to secrecy. Because you 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 were with SJC. Um, yeah, prior Already. to that, I've been with SJC for about three years up until that, or two or three years up until that point. And, uh, and I told Mike, I was like, I was like, look, what I'm going to tell you is insane. The, the first and foremost, I can't tell you what I'm doing, but I need you to please, I, I want to stay with SJC. I want to play these drums and I want to grow with you guys. That was my whole reason of like being with SJC is because I was a little guy and SJC was at the time a much smaller company than it is now. And I was like, I want to, I want to team up with people who I feel are like-minded come from the same kind of community, punk rock and hardcore and whatever, and grow together rather than, you know, kind of just being a small face on a, on a roster of like very amazing, well-accomplished drummers. I didn't really have any interest in doing that. I wanted to, just start, you know, I wanted to start something with somebody. So uh, I was like, I want to play SJC. I need you to make me two giant double bass drum sets with three rack toms and two floor toms and a gong drum and a marching snare drum and like eight snares. And I cannot afford that. So I need you to make it on the house. But trust me, wow, it's going to pay off. And he said, yeah. And Mike was like, I'll figure out a way to make it happen. Wow. And that was that was what we that's what we did, and uh, and that was the basis 
from which we were able to then grow from there. And I was like, I'm always going to, it's always at the forefront of my mind. Like I never want to take advantage of SJC's generosity and, and ask for too much or whatever. And, and we've even done things where it's like, I want to do something different, but I don't want you guys to go into pocket. So I actually like, I gave them back those drum sets that I used on, you know, those first bunch of tours in retrospect, I actually wish I kind of, I held on to them, but I wanted to what do What did something. they do with them? They sold them, you know, oh, no, but not, not as like, these are, cause at that time I was still kind of a secret guy. So they couldn't, you know, and I, I oh, wouldn't, does, I wouldn't does do the person something. who bought them know yet. Probably not. <laughs> Someone's uh, out there. I don't know. I don't know. History. Yeah. I think, I, I, I think SJC held on to the first, the first kit that, um, that I used on stage with Slipknot. They, I think they did keep, I think Mike. I'm, was I'm like, sure I've seen it. Like, yeah, I think they did keep that one, but like the, I had, I had two because it was the same thing we do now, where we, you know, I'll be playing on one kit one night, and then we fly to another place, and I'll play on that kit another night, and you know, our A and B rig. So we were doing that back then. That's why I needed two at the same time. Um, but so uh, I think they kept that one, but one of them was just like you know, it wasn't advertised as what it was. It was just I was like, I want a different drum set because I wanted to try just something different to find a better sound for myself. Mm. And I wasn't getting, it was like a, a Babinga kit that I wasn't quite happy with. I, I'm not a Babinga fan. I yeah. don't know why everyone is. Yeah. It's cool for maybe some stuff, but just for us, it was like I needed maple. Uh, and so I, they made the M5 shells uh, for the, the kit that I used in the latter stages of our touring for the Grey Chapter. But, uh, but so I was like, I'll give this kit back to you. You sell it and make the money that you need to keep things afloat because I don't want you to just oh yeah just make me another kit and then oh we're that much more money in the hole yeah uh but yeah so they sold it to like I don't know somebody but it wasn't wasn't advertised as such it's just like these are just drum you know used drums yeah. <laughs> used drums I mean yeah yeah pretty fucking used uh, yeah um but good that's for you always, though good but that's always them. been that's always been the basis of like my stuff with SJC is every time we approach each other of like let's do something like let's make some cool shit you know it's always been just what can what can we do that like is giving back to kind of our community of drummers and I, that's why I've, I really love you know what we've built together with SJC because I really feel like a a part of it that you know um, you've definitely helped the growth. Well, for instance, so so uh, just the other day, like I was chatting to a guy who had gotten one of my signature kits. So I've, that grew from, you know, just a snare drum. Then throughout the pandemic, I was There's like... a signature kit. Yeah, so I was like, what if we did a whole kit? And I was like, not only what if we did a whole kit, I'll make all the artwork, right? But I... Because uh, when we recorded We Are Not Your Kind, my whole drum set was like mismatched. It was the same rack toms from the Black Album, but then the floor toms were different, and then it was two different kick drums from like two different kits. I just mismatched everything. I thought that was really cool. So I wanted the kit that I made to um, to uh, once we had released that record, I wanted that kit to be at also mismatched. And I actually worked with Thomas. Uh, so all the artwork for the drums I used on the We Are Not Your Kind touring, yeah, which wasn't all that much, got court, it got cut short by COVID, uh, was all Thomas's artwork. So I worked with Thomas Hooper. Uh, he gave me a whole bunch of his art and I just kind of retrofitted it around shells. And I was like, that was cool. And then I got to thinking, I was like, well, what if I do a kit that's all my artwork? Like, I, And it'll just be an extension of me. Um, and then Mike was like, I think Mike and I were both like, okay, and what if all the mismatched 
you could make any piece of art be on any shell. So you can make all these different permutations. So there's two kicks, three racks, and two floors. There might be 50 of these kits out in the world, and none of them are the same. Wow. And I was like, that's a really cool idea. So then it, it took me, you know, like whatever, the process of just like making all the different dimensions of, of artwork. And so I just met somebody. And, and with that, we included a, you know, an experience where if you, if you get this, it's like, I want to talk to you about it. You know, I want to know what drove you to get this, this kit or this, or just a snare or whatever. So, so just baked right into getting the SJC kit or a snare or whatever, there's a thing that's like, okay, and you set a time to, to talk to Jay and, and then we're talking. So I was just talking to a, a nice I, I guy yesterday I that, yeah. and I was just like, oh my God, and he's got the kit. I'm like, that the green artwork on that kick drum, I'm like, damn, that looks sharp there. Like, I don't so, have that. I want that. So the, the person who buys it get, got to pick where or gets to, is it still a thing? Oh, yeah, not, yeah. Yeah, it's ongoing. They yeah. get to pick which drum things. That's yeah. cool. So like the artwork that I have on my 12-inch rack tom, he has on his left kick drum. But it's the me. same kit to the same specs. Yeah, everything's exactly the same as, as what I use. And... Uh, and we were even hoping that someday it'd be really cool. We were thinking of like, I mean, this probably like gives away my idea, but like, it'd be really cool if I could make stencils of, uh, figurative parts of my artwork. Cause it'll have like, you know, kind of this washy, you know, watercolor kind of background mm -hmm. with a figurative thing on it. It's like, well, what if I do like the washy background? That's the, that's the wrap on the drum. But then we provide stencils of the thing so then people can like use that and like spray paint on the drum and they get to make their own stuff on the That's drum. That was like kind of an idea that we, we've been, you know, toying with and, you know, we'll see if that happens. But I would fuck it up though. I'm so smashing with shit. Like, no, I'm not fucking up my Jay Weinberg fucking. <laughs> um, but so, you know, and, and I wanted, yeah. So like, I, I just wanted to go as far as we could with it and then, we kind of exhaust every aspect of, of what we're able to do with that. And then we kind of, and then Mike and I kind of like high five, like, all right, we did it. I'll talk to you in a year about maybe another idea. Sick. But so, so it's been, it's been really, really cool. I um, met him. I met him recently and he was super nice. Mike's the man. Yeah, he came up. He actually came up to me at a festival and was like, we got to get Jay on the pod, man. And I was like, yeah, well, of course. Sick. And here, we and, are. and here we are. Uh, yeah, so so all that stuff has been, you know, an effort in finding my own sound, what I, you know, what I like about some things, what I dislike about some things. And now that, you know, because playing in Slipknot has been such a process of like self-discovery and what we're doing and what my space within it is and how I can make that uniquely me um, you know, like anybody does in, in anything they do or whatever, this has just been a, an extraordinary opportunity to then dive into the tools that I'm using and how do I heighten, you know, so it's like the drums that I use on stage with us. It's all my artwork. It's all, you know, just an expression of, of what I'm bringing to the table to like the nth degree and, and not to, you know, disparage any other company, but it's like, I don't know if anybody else would be down to go on that journey with me because like Mike and I bash our heads against the wall, trying to figure out these creative problems. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I don't know if anybody else, but him would be did any, up for it. Did anyone, I mean, they must've done did anyone swim around when, yeah, of course everyone did. But that's why it was important to me that, you know, and you know, 
I'm a big fan of, of many drum manufacturers and they all have like unique qualities. Like, you know, it was really sad when Jeremy passed, you know, because I was such a huge fan of because he, he, he was an Orange County OG. He was a builder. He, yeah, he was yeah, a builder. He was an OG. Yeah. So, you know, and, and what he and Alon did uh, with Q was just amazing. No, and, I, I um, nearly went with Q before I went with Tama. Mm-hmm. But it came down, you know what it came down to for me? Because I wasn't joining Slipmart. I was joining Straight From The Path. So it was like, I kind of need this because mm-hmm. I live in the UK with the bands in the States. And Jeremy, we, we kept in touch. He was like, and I, I only had one other company that I wanted to go with, which was Tama. And uh, Tama were like, we can give you two kits. Yeah. Like, and Jeremy was like, I can't match that. And I was like, I haven't got the money, man. Yeah, no, so totally. I've got to do this. Yeah, and, and, we, I, and I love Tama. Like, we're talking about bell brasses and stuff. Like, that's, you know, I'm a big fan of of all these different companies for the the unique things that they bring to the table. SJC just felt like, you know, this guy's as psychotic as I feel I am with this stuff. He loses sleep over the same things I lose sleep over. We're going to get along great. And we, we have. I've been with SJC for 14 years now. You know? Yeah. And you know what, though? I mean, I'm a Tama guy through and through. Nobody come and get me. The SJC Bell Brass is pretty sick. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but- I, uh, it's funny. I, I borrowed one. So I, I, I didn't have been asking Mike to, like, can you guys make bell brasses again and he's like ah maybe one day um but i I borrowed one for a friend to use for my virtual instrument the mix wave uh thing that i did so i borrowed one because i wanted to just supply everything i got like you know really sounds like you that that plugin thank you i'm i'm so happy with it again like justin was there with me through the whole process and and that was the first time i'd ever done anything like that obviously i've like captured samples yeah you know after a song just in case you need to like fly one in because you flubbed a hit or whatever. But so I've done that, but never like at every single velocity. So you like, did it. You actually did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that was important to me. So like, a lot of people, they don't do it. They say they did it, yeah. but they don't. Well, and, and, and I know that about, you know, about that aspect of like capturing, you know, a virtual instrument and, and have heard like, oh, yeah, and like you don't even have to be there. I'm like, what? And it's not like, me. Why would you not? Why would I do that? Um, it's not me. Yeah. And, and so I was like, and so when I, I was approached by uh, Luke Holland, who's awesome and, and their team, and they were like, you know, you'll be like, you're the guy and you'll be in there playing. We'll have your drum tech. And, and so the reason it sounds like how I'm, I'm so confident in putting it out there is because it's like, Justin was there tuning everything. And he's my dude who knows, like he knows better than I do how to get what's in my head sounding yeah. on the drums like he's that talented with that i'm just hitting them <laughs> uh but but it was really cool to do that experience where it's like justin you know it's funny i would be he would be like in the control room it was actually while playoff hockey was happening so i had like playoff hockey on the screen there and i'm doing a hi-hat hitting a hi-hat for like three hours and then we're like yeah and, and then dude capturing capturing the uh like the bell that i have and just all like you you just tap it and then it has to resonate for like three minutes or whatever and you're like oh my god it's and so also, thorough you have to do it for completion but you mm-hmm. know full well no one is playing the bell programming the bell at one velocity but yeah, you have you to gotta do it. it you gotta do it well and how many and, is there per velocity as well there's like an amount oh, it's, it's like a, it's fucking ridiculous and and there's like 10 i want to say it's 10 round robin 
So for every snare hit, if you have, if you have like, if you program like 10 snare hits at the same velocity, it's going to be 10 different at that velocity. So it's never the same exact hit. That's why I like it. And I've been demoing stuff um, with us for uh, a lot of, uh, no, no, our, our, our new record, I was using other, you know, other libraries because I hadn't made mine yet. Um, but that's how, that's how I got used to like demoing at home. A lot of the end so far was like us file sharing. I would, you know, I would get something sent to me by guys and then I would like play stuff using a, a library that I really liked and send that back. And I'm like, Oh, I'm getting kind of, I'm, I'm learning how to be a self engineer yeah. with electronic drums and, you know, using my Roland kit. That's what I, at the time, that's what I was using to practice at home. I didn't have my acoustic drum set set up at home yet. Um, but that was a huge tool in, you know, in, in making that record. And so I was like, okay, next time I'm able to do, or if we, if we have to do something like this, hopefully there's not a pandemic, <laughs> but, uh, I want it to be totally my sounds to where I can send something back to, you know, Jim, for example, and that's going to be pretty closely resembling what we will he capture. Hear, he can hear what you would sound like. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, that will sound, that's going to be what it pretty much sounds yeah. like. So that, that was really important to me. And, uh, and yeah, so I was like, we're going to do my 48 ply, the metal snare that we did. Uh, I want to borrow this SJC bell brass. That's going to be in there. Uh, Kurt Ballou made me a, a snare and I'm going to use that. Uh, you know, now I'll have these, t I'll probably do a, like a, a software update with like the, you know, these new bell brasses yeah. that I got. I sampled my dog, you know, and Where, uh, how do you get to the dog on the, so that's, that's how I was like, cause, cause Mario had done one, yeah. uh, Thomas Prison had done one and I was next, um, Luke had done one and, uh, and so I was, I saw what they did and Mario had his artwork in there and stuff. I was like, this is really cool. And I know how these guys are so particular about this stuff. Like we're saying, like, Tom, you know, Thomas and, and Mario and Luke, like they're so dialed into the details, yeah. how I like to be. And that was the first time a project like this had spoken to me where I was like, these guys get it. And, and I want to be a part of this. Um, and I was like, they're going to laugh at this, but I was like, okay, we're going to have my drum set. And then off to the side, we're going to have my dog in my dog bed because my dog is my life. I have her name tattooed on my arm. I love her to death. And I was like, my dog is going to be in here. We're going to sample my dog. How many velocities of the dog? Oh, like what, as much as name? much as much as any snare drum in the in the thing. It's like a lot. Oh, it was a whole experiment because I had to like get her quiet, like, and then I had to get her bark it. So it is literally you can drag the thing up and it's like, oh my god, that's like that. so fucking funny. And since then, I've gotten another dog, so I need to do a, a update. update. Yeah, so you can choose it just like you can choose the snare. I did the maths <laughs> in my head while we were talking about it. Just so if anyone doesn't know how many times you would have to hit the drum, this is why people sometimes don't go. But if they don't go, it's not them on the thing. Yeah. If there's 127 velocities and you're doing, you said 10, yeah. per, if you're programmed 10 at the same mm -hmm. velocity, there's going to be 1,000, oh, no, 12,700, no, 1,000, 750 per drum That's insane. and then obviously you just listed off how many snares you've got a million toms then you've got a million symbols and then you've got a dog uh, yeah i have no idea how many times i hit how everything we, we spent uh let me see we spent one day on kicks and a whole day i think so because well so <laughs> we went in dude 
uh, because I wanted beater options as well. Uh, so I wanted I play with the plastic side of a D, of a standard DW, just like what you get when you get a DW nine thousand uh, pedal. I use the plastic side, but I wanted if you know maybe someone would want the felt side. Yeah, that I. Uh, do you remember it was like really popular in like the early 2000s those red like Danmark? cherry apple Danmark, Danmark. oh baby. So, I, so I went and found some Danmark um, beaters because that's like a different it's a different thing you know uh, so I, I wanted that and then I want to say we did one that's like a smaller head that's a plastic side that's kind of more like Chris Adler Ashes of the Wake kind of kind of sounding thing oh like the Axis style. Kind of, yeah, kind of like ones. that. So, what sticks do you play? Uh, Vader. Yeah, uh, which was another thing that I was able to design. That actually, actually, when when you had seen us on that 2020 tour, I was doing shootouts every night uh, for my signature stick, where my tech would give me. I had like three prototypes, and he would hand me. You know, I would I would have like a you know I would walk to the stage with some, and then I play a song. You know, okay, what's this prototype? I was like, I didn't really like that. Okay, that was prototype number two. I was like, oh, I really like this. Oh, that was prototype number three. So I was on that 2020 tour. Thank God I had that experience to be able to decide what I wanted the yeah. stick to be. Um, Super but, interesting. I think I, yeah. it's cool for me to hear, and it's probably going to be cool for other people to hear, like mm-hmm. the amount of effort you're putting in to everything to do with your craft is like admirable. Thanks. Like, I mean, my, a lot of people could have just, you know, join a big band, become a become a part of the big band, and then just like be like, I don't care, do whatever. Yeah, make, uh, well, make, make me some money, put my name on it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, to me, I think I think it's kind of my you know my upbringing and knowing what it was like being around like the E Street band standard, and then to me. You know, when you when you then focus on this type of music, and for me, I feel like there's a Slipknot standard, and and there always had there always has been, there always will be, and I had to get accustomed to that very quickly and jump on this moving freight train of what's expected. We don't settle for anything less than our standard, yeah. and, and and the standard is no stone left unturned, no option left, you know, whatever. Like it it is being in Slipknot is a completely exhaustive effort because it's just, you know, it, it is incredibly detail oriented and, um, and that goes with, with everything, you know, that's why, that's why things like take so long with us because we, we are that, you know, and I, and I, I learned that through my, you know, through, you know, starting to play with these guys to where, you know, they are the freight train that, that I'm jumping onto. And I had to learn how, crazy intent they are and intentional about all these decisions and um that just rubbed off on me on uh, and i was like that's how i want to approach what i do so it's like you know any anything worth doing is worth going completely in on um and not to mention it's like what an amazing opportunity it is it's like i'm so grateful for the opportunity that someone would want to do this with me like I'm not going to take that for granted. Mm. Like the fact that Mixwave approached me to do this, uh, it's it's on me not only to like show up and try to do a good job, but it's like I want to overdo it mm. to the point where like it's it's just you know that's just how I like to approach things. Um, 
So, so yeah, so we spent probably a day on the kick drums because I had to do like three different beater combinations with my right foot, then with my left foot. I wanted that TikTokiness, you know. I oh want my so it's God. two different it's two different kick channels because I I didn't yeah. want you know if you're programming something with just one kick it is kind of samey. Yeah. With this you do get that TikTokiness of two different kick drums which I really like. Um, and then I think probably one day on snare drums, one day on all the toms, and then I think two days on cymbals just because the resonance. Takes yeah. so long to do, oh my you know, hi hat, hi hats, and all the different expressions. It's you know, you have to get the shoulder of your stick, uh, the tip of your stick, open, semi open, closed, semi closed, and you all that. Wait for it to go. Yeah, no, Justin, Justin was in, the, Justin was in the control room. He, I got done with a hi hat. He was like, I just watched an entire Harry Potter movie. <laughs> Fucking rare by him. Yeah, yeah. yeah Harry Potter. Um, but what I was going to say, one last thing on that, and I completely lost my train of thought on the uh, too excited about, yeah, too excited about symbols. I don't know, it's gone. Yeah, it was, I, I oh. have I have collected more that I'm like I've gone to like Revival Drum Shop in Portland and like gotten some really cool, unique things that are just bells and whistles. Literally, I remember what yeah. it was going <laughs> to. I remember what it was going to be. You still playing the. Zildjian S Rock Ride. Yeah, it's my favorite that thing ever. Thing is unreal. The same. Uh, it's on my uh, A rig, so it's like my main kit, and and then we'll we had a couple shows where I played on my different kit, but it's been that specific symbol for the last two records and every show on. Yeah, I fucking love that. It's like honestly, and I know you've put all this fucking hard work into a snare drum and a kit and all this shit. I can hear that symbol and go, oh, it's the Jay Weinberger symbol. I love it because it's yeah. like. I, I only heard it from like one of your playthroughs, like are you in the studio? Mm -hmm. And I just remember, it was like, this was pandemic. I was watching other drummers and stuff on Twitch. And I was like, what the fuck is that ride? Yeah. And that was when I was with Minor and not with Zildjian. I was like, what is that? It's amazing. And then found yeah. out. And then now it's in my head, it's just, it's your ride. I mean, dude, I've, you know, I've tried all the things that we've, We've probably both, you know, tried the mega, the mega yeah, bell and the, interesting and the regular rock that. ride. And, and, you know, when I was in like, punk and hardcore bands it's not i don't need it to be as pingy it's more for washing on for mm. a, you know a chorus like you'll play your verses on the that's, where, and, that's where i'm at yeah and i love the sweet ride um uh both the brilliant and the like the matte not yeah, brilliant at the avidus yeah, yeah right uh but the the s rock ride i forget um I forget who initially was like, oh, you should, you know, somebody from Zildjian was like, I think you might like this because it's got that pinginess that you're, you're liking in the rock ride, but it's like kind of different. And I tried it. I was like, this is the greatest thing. And it's defined like many musical parts that I've like, that I've recorded and that we play. It's all like yeah. all my blast beats are this specific thing because I fucking love this symbol. Um yeah, and all those Slayer parts. Yeah, are, it's, you a, know, it's a great ride for some Slayer parts. Dude, yeah, that's yeah, great. Like, we have to, like, how long do you think we've been going? I have no idea. Two hours and 20 minutes. Are you kidding? Oh, no. So, Sorry, everybody listening. No, 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 man. <laughs> They're still here. But I freak out. At this point, I freak out about, like, what if something fails? Sure, sure. Because I've got three cameras in 4K, a switcher, <laughs> yeah. audio, and I'm like, if it fails, the world's fucking over. Yeah. So. Okay. We're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna wrap up, right? All right, all right. What do you and got? The, I, and it's gonna wrap up, but hopefully, I mean, we might go off on a fucking tangent. <laughs> and I should I should have warned you of this that it was coming, but I don't really like to because I kind of like people to give me their first possible answers. 
Okay. Top five artists of all time. Artists. Uh, not about for you. I don't mean fucking. Not visual artists. Not visual Top artists. five musical. Musical artists. So it can be, it can be solo. It can be a band or whatever. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. I'm going to say one of like the first band that made me want to become a musician was the Ramones. Nice. Um, that was the, the first time I ever sat to sat at a drum set trying to do something on the drums was playing along to the, um, the it's a live mm. record that to me it's like the greatest live record ever. Um, uh, okay, the Ramones. Um, being from New Jersey, the Misfits were very important to me. Nice, love Misfits. Uh, to this day, I, I mean, and going to watch them now is just like. Oh my god! And see, like seeing Dave play with them is just like this is the greatest thing so I've fucking ever seen. fucking seen. Okay, the Ramones, the Misfits. Also, I just want to look like Doyle when I'm older. Like, <sighs> he's a freaking agent. Abs- absolutely jacked it's, to fuck. He's, a, he's crazy. I fucking love Doyle. Um, okay, the Ramones, the Misfits. Um, let's branch out of punk rock. Uh, you don't da, da, da. have to. No, I, I know. What's, what's I mean, that's like that. That was what drew me into this kind of music. Was like, you know, I see like larger than life bands play, and I never felt a calling to it. But it was when I saw punk rock live that yeah. I was like, I can do that. That seems like I could. I could yeah. do that. And um, so that those two bands are very important to me. Um, I was a punk kid as well. I was punk, yeah. was punk before I was metal, and then I was both, and not yeah. anyone, no one else in school was both, and I was like, why can't I do both? Yeah. Then I found hardcore. Yeah, <laughs> uh, neurosis yeah. has always been has always been so important to me. Um, you know, I think I think some of my favorite musical experiences of of uh, we were we were texting about. Yeah. Oh my god, I got to see them and Yob at um Yob is so yeah oh I, I replied to a story the other day because I was just like big, yeah big song I love yeah so um Yob is spelled Y-O-B by the way there'll be people that want to check these bands out oh yeah definitely check out Yob um clearing the path to ascend is just like it's a masterpiece um but no Neurosis um I first saw Neurosis when I was 17 at the Brooklyn Masonic Temple uh wow. two two nights of Mastodon opening up for Neurosis Excuse me. Uh, Mastodon Blood Mountain was out. Sick. Um, so this is pre Crack the Sky. And uh, to see them, you what, know, Mastodon. What, what year is this? Then? This is like 2007 or 8. So this is when they still had the projectionist guy. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him on that last tour as well. Mm-hmm. That was the last tour. Continue. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. With, 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 with Josh. Project, yeah. Yeah, with Josh. Um, yeah. So, so I saw two nights and I didn't know what to expect. I, I, I was very familiar with Mastodon and had been coming to Mastodon shows for a while. Um, and I had found Neurosis through Mastodon. Like I think Troy and their DVD had mentioned Times of Grace yeah. as a really influential album. So I remember um, a buddy of mine and I got Times of Grace. Like we went to the local record store, got a copy of Times of Grace and listened to it at like 3 a.m. And both of us are just, it was my, our, my, the guitar player in my band at the time. And we just looked at each other like both of our lives just changed. Mm-hmm. Like when the doorway, the doorway. started. The heaviest riff of all time is the breakdown or whatever you'd call that. The noises, the guitar. I, that's like, you know, 
that's like going to church for me, you know? And so when I saw them for the first time, it, it was at a, <coughs> excuse me, the, the Brooklyn Masonic Temple is a private building. Uh, and so you could do whatever you want. So there's no limit to the decibel. There's no decibel yeah, limit. Yeah, baby. So it was, 10, uh, it was 10 decibels above the legal New York limit. And I was up in the like balcony and, you know, I'd seen Mastodon and they were great as, as always. And then neurosis hit. And I was just like, I was shot back in my seat when they, they opened with Given to the Rising. And I was just like, I absolute confrontation with sound. Mm. And, and I was just blown away. So, okay. The Ramones, the Misfits. Just the while, while we're on it, while we just, I knew cause the, sure, the, the sure. doom thing was going to come up. Do you like Cult of Luna? Oh yeah. Yeah. Johannes has been on here before and like Cult of Luna for me, I mean, I think he said it on the podcast as well, like we just started off by ripping off Neurosis but then became their, their own thing. And pre- like, at some point, pretty much everybody does. That, that, that like, whole sound. I, I, went to their, uh, I went to their 30th anniversary shows in San Francisco and uh, Shellac opened one night and Steve Albini, who's recorded all their albums since yeah. Times of Grace, uh, made a really good point. He was like, there's music before neurosis and there's music after neurosis. Neurosis changed everything. Yeah. And it's, it really is true. Like that being exposed to that and, and being able to see neurosis as many times as I did. Um, I'm so, I'm so grateful to have had that experience because it informs so much of like the, the depth that you can, you know, and you can see from their lineage from when they started out as a faster hardcore punk band and then learn more about themselves. Like you, yeah. Like you, you saw them, you know, from, from pain of mind to word is law to souls at zero. Really it's that like that, that transition from word is law to souls at zero. Um, and then enemy of the sun and through silver and blood. Like you could, you could hear how they were like connecting just going further, deeper and deeper and learning how to, like, that's just very inspirational to me because I feel like, you know, I often feel like I'm, I'm still just at the very beginning of this journey of, mm-hmm. of that discovery. And it's all self-discovery. It's not outward things of, of trying to reach for like, oh, if I can, you know, if I can do this, you know, external thing that I'm not really in control of, because none of us are in control of fucking anything. Mm-hmm. You're in control of going inward and learning, you know, further defining how you're able to express yourself. And if that's one lesson that I take from them, that's like, that's, that's it. Is that like set yourself on a path of learning who you are and, and expressing that. That's very important to me. So two more, um, let's say, oh, there's so many, um, I'll go with Depeche Mode. Nice. Uh, I'm a huge, huge Depeche Mode fan. Um, I think that, like, it, it seems like, you know, you meet people in our kind of community that, like, or you go to a Depeche Mode show, even like a Nine Inch Nails show. It's, it's, I won't include Nine Inch Nails in this, but it's like similar things. I was at a Nine Inch Nails show last summer, I think, with my wife, and we were um, remarking on, like, look around us. There's every walk of life of, a black t-shirt person here. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like, you know, you, like even, even with Slipknot, it's like, I don't, you know, 
I don't know what to call it. You know, it's, it's black t-shirt music. Black t-shirt you know, that, music that's, is a good that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, you've got the crust punk who's into the, who's into nine inch nails. Yeah. You've got the mall metal guy or whatever. You've got the they're soccer. They're in my top five. So yeah. I'm like wearing a cannibal coin. Should, I mean, they like really, that. they really should be for me. Uh, I fucking love nine inch nails. We played a show, uh, like separate nights, but we, we played a festival with them, uh, last fall and it was just i got to see them god blown away with depeche mode with you know the the 101 pasadena you know stadium that they play when um uh, music for the masses had come out seeing how like obviously the songs are that good you know um that it reached that many people but like when you when you really kind of dive into it it's like the subject matter is subversive the melodies are dark yeah Everything about it, like especially in you know in that time of like what you know Duran Duran and and whatever else was happening at the time, it's like this stuff was like very much on the on the darker yeah. side of of that kind of spectrum of pop. You know, Depeche whatever. Mode is like Wario Duran Duran. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it. I love that. Um, yeah. So you know, so I find a lot of inspiration in like you can make music that comes from like a heavy what feels like a like a spiritually heavy place dark place but it is beautiful melody and it's very simple and, and but then you also like look into the textures and it's like even even the stuff like the drum machine kind of stuff and the loops that they were creating all things that are like tape like they weren't playing to like yeah. a computer stuff it's like they had tape machines that were excuse me working this shit very impressive, and um, and even today, like they're the records that they still put out. I think I'm gonna be seeing them in like November or something. Um, I'm still such a fan. Um, so Depeche Mode, and then I'm gonna give you one, like you know, I could, I could say like Metallica. Um, I could say the E Street Band, um, but we've talked enough about them. Uh, I would, I would actually say uh, Fiona Apple is one of my favorite artists of all time. Um, you know, I've been, I've been like reduced to rubble in a live setting. Only like, you know, like actually like totally reduced to tears. Like I can't believe what I'm watching, and it's just so impactful that you just can't help but like cry. And that's happened. I've had that happen watching the E Street Band before. I've had that happen watching Neurosis, and I've had that happen watching Fiona Apple. I've rarely seen an artist like go that far into performance like I have. Uh, and I've, o- I've only seen her play maybe three or four times. Um, but there was one time she played at the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, uh, which is a town over from where I grew up in New Jersey. And uh, she, she was playing the song Not About Love uh, from this album that came out. Huge moment in, in my life was when the album Extraordinary Machine came out. I was like 14 felt super disconnected from like everything around me, totally didn't feel understood, had no friends, <laughs> like, you know, just your typical fucking punk rocker story yeah. or whatever. Um, but I found this record, this Extraordinary Machine record, and it starts out with this very simple song about, you know, not letting any of that kind of stuff get to you and 
just making the most of, of, you know, eh, whatever, you know, slinging arrows come my way or, or whatever. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm an extraordinary machine. That album really did a lot for me. And when she played the song, not about love, you can probably find videos of it on YouTube. This show that she played at the Count Basie theater, I was reduced to tears. I couldn't believe that she like, she went into some other realm and her lyrics are so thoughtful. Her turns of phrases are just like, how does somebody think of that? Like, I love you know, that with lyrics. I like, I, I write some lyrics for Stray, mm-hmm. but like, some people just operating on a different level of art with their words. Yeah, it's crazy. And she's so personal. Like, you know, um, it's really to see someone like bear that much of themselves and just put it right out there. And the fact that she's, you know, she's a very real person. Where she, you know, like her dog was sick, and she was like. I'm not going, I I had a tour going, I need to be with my dog, my dog is sick, I'm not going on tour, and I was like, I completely get that, like, I I love that she's that in tune with just her life, and um, I feel like that reflects in her music, so we've got the Ramones, the Misfits, Neurosis, Depeche Mode, Fiona Apple. It's a great top five. Yeah. I love it, and I'm so glad you didn't say Metallica last, because I have talked about, and this counts, I've talked about Metallica on every single podcast. How how can you not though? It's Stop like, they're, it, they're, or else we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, no, they're you know they're the be all end all. You know. I just want to say like a personal thank you for doing this, really, Please. because in doing this, if people don't know, the reason any of this Nashville and there, there's a lot of Nashville episodes now happened was because we didn't meet at a festival, but we knew each other was there. And you hit me up and was like, "It's a shame that we didn't meet." And I was like, "Number one, that's really cool." And then you said, I think you said I'd love to do the pod or some, or maybe I said, can you please come on a podcast? No, yeah, because, you know, we have so many mutual friends. It's yeah. like, you know, we we should meet. And, and, and I, I enjoyed, you know, yeah. You invited me, in fact, to watch the E Street Band at Hyde Park. You should have. I know, come. I, I, I <laughs> wanted to so bad. And then I was like doing the math on it and it was... It was it was going to cost me like nearly what this whole trip did for yeah. one episode. And while I would have done that, if you, when I I was like, let me just hit him up and see, would he do it in Nashville? And you were like, oh yeah, definitely. And then you told me you were also getting tattooed like real close. And I was like, okay, if I can get one other guest, I'll just do Nashville. Uh, and then it worked out. So thank Here you. Here we are. And everyone watching and listening, if you're just listening to this, fuck you because it's cost me a lot of money. <laughs> um, Thanks, Jay. Thank check you. Check out his. Well, you, I don't have to tell you to check out Slipknot, but you got the Mixwave plugin. You got the SJC snare. You got the kit. You got your art. You got it. Dude's an enigma of art. Trying. Trying out here. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs>